Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. Hello. TNA, 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 TNA. We are also joined by, I probably should have asked you how you want to be announced as, but our lovely friend returning to the podcast, Tom. Am I just going with Tom? Um, yeah, that's that's my name. I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Thanks for having Are we me doing back, last guys. Names? Um, Tom's fine. Tom's fine. Okay. Let's um let's leave an air of yeah mystery around it. Mm, mystery. I love it. <laughs> okay, so today we are doing episode four. I want to say I didn't write it down. Episode four. Episode four of our TNA Aces Nate series. We're doing Impact from the thirty first of June, twenty thirteen. Um. I believe we should immediately address the elephant in the room. Last time we were all in the room together, um, virtually, mm, we we podcasted about Scooby-Doo, which Tom was very, very passionate about and absolutely adored. <laughs> and me and Tax kind of fucking hated. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I detest TNA. Tax pretends to love it, but really he fucking hates it as well. How did you feel about this, Tom? So... Up up until watching this episode, um, and sort of seeing it sort of referenced um, here and there in other wrestling content, my entire lifetime's experience of actually watching TNA was I caught one epi- one episode of it on Channel Four, I think, when I was a kid. The whole thing was building up to a spot where um, Bully Ray put Dixie Carter through a table. The only thing I remember from that entire episode was Dixie Carter getting put through a table. And credit to TNA, having no context and no understanding of the show, um, they did manage to get across the fact that she was a dislikable authority figure. Um, but discredit to the show, um, yeah, no- nothing else, nothing else in that hour, whatever of content stuck in my mind. <laughs> Sounds familiar, right, Tax? Bully Bray looking like he was about to jizz his shorts when he put Dixie through a table. That was a personal highlight for uh, that that one episode. But as you said, sometimes. They're occasionally good at building characters. Just because it popped rich last time. Some iconic characters. <sighs> Referring to anything TNA is iconic. I'm just like... It, it's like... <clears throat> it's like the Autobots. But like... Terrible. <laughs> you know? It's like it never quite gets where you want it to be. Like they have all this potential, <laughs> they can be so important, and then some cunt like Michael Bay will grab a hold of it and be like, "Ah, look how fucking shit it is." <laughs> That's how is that the title of my sex tape? <laughs> it's like they've got Austin Aries and Bobby Roode and Sting and all these people. I really kind of like Aries, maybe not, but like there's people I really, really love on the shows. Every time I watch TNA, I'm just like, the booking is so bad. Just makes me furious watching it. Like. Uh, four episodes in now i've kind of got to the point where i watch these shows in a kind of numb state almost like i have to convince myself to get there which is really sad because i love professional wrestling christian york is a big star (laughs) christian york is a big star how dare he's not on this show (laughs) don't spoil it (laughs) fuck okay Let's, let's quickly go over this because uh, we talked a little bit to Tom about like his pro wrestling past and history. Like you're a Kane fan, we established that. I'm um, talking yeah, quite the, a lot about Kane, the greatest, the greatest monster heel of all time. Yeah, absolutely. But what what other pro wrestling do you like outside of just kind of Kane and 
Scooby Doo's involvement in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> so my the the bulk I'm not of, wrong. You like Scooby Doo in Paris? Oh, I I love Scooby Doo, man. Scooby Doo is. It's one of that. my favorite things in the world. Um, Sco- Scooby-Doo is, was my gateway to horror, which is one of my favorite genres. Um, Scooby-Doo is a great okay, gateway to okay. horror. How? Because... How is Scooby-Doo a gateway to horror? Because well, I guess, okay. uh, every I single classic that. Scooby-Doo episode touches on some classic or iconic horror setting. You've got you know, haunted circus with evil clown. You've got evil robot in an abandoned amusement park. You've got a haunted airfield um, you know, with a malevolent ghost of a dead pilot. Um, they're essentially sure. horror movie settings, but with goofy teenagers running around. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think there's it definitely planted the seeds for that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so my my as a kid, like I watched a lot of WWE around. I think my chronology isn't very good. Um, I'm not good on sort of stats and dates and stuff. But I started at a point in time. I think we chatted about it last time where um, Kane was recovering from an injury. Um, which I think Triple H had sledgehammered him with. And he hadn't been back on screen for a while. And no one knew he, where he was. And Triple H was just fucking terrified of him, terrified of the fact that Kane was going to get return and get his revenge. And to this day, that is one of my favorite pro wrestling things. The um, this, this situation where a, a monster has been injured or beaten through shenanigans and the person who injured them is now living in fear of that monster's return. That's one of my favorite micro moments and storylines in wrestling so that's when i started and steve austin was around Stor- st- storytelling right yeah yeah like, like things you yeah. don't get from tna <laughs> yeah i mean again i have to agree with tax that sometimes and this is based on seeing one episode <laughs> this week um tna can like get across characters and i think despite the dodgy booking they do get across that sting is this hugely respected icon he felt like an icon in that episode even though i have my issues without one and a half hour of my life I lost. I think st- one of the things they do right is Sting really comes across as an icon of pro wrestling. Even though you um, lost an hour and a half of your life, did you not really want to watch Bellator afterwards? Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I, I, I wonder. I wonder if the guys doing the commentary were receiving a bigger paycheck from Bellator than they were from Dixie Carter. I feel like the whole thing. Dixie didn't pay like, anyone. They must be. Literally every fucking time, like TNA, are like we're not paying them. And Bellator, are like we'll give you a fiver. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing was underwritten oh, by Big stupid. Bellator. Yeah, I mean, may as well be because they're on Spike TV at this point. Who obviously have Bellator, who have a live show after every Impact. How are they putting on weekly MMA shows? By the way, do, do have you looked into this tax at all? Yeah, so they basically Bellator were doing tournaments of different weight divisions. So, you know, like in the Ultimate Fighter where they'd be able to fight on a more regular base than they should based on the athletic commissions. Mm. That's how they were doing that premise for the the, uh, the title tournament. So I think they were going, was it Cruiserweight level they were promoing this week? To be fair, all the all the promo now for Bellator just goes over me other than the timer down the bottom right-hand corner, which I know is a countdown to when all this hell ends. <laughs> yeah. It's, I often refer to it as like in my head as like watching a boiler, you know, of the... What is it? The watch pot never boils or something? <laughs> like it just takes forever for that clock to get to zero. And you're like, come on, you're past this. <laughs> I was watching oh, earlier. I swear it's 20 minutes to go for the last half hour of the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's Impact Wrestling number 447, for those of you who want to look it up. Uh, recorded on the 25th of uh, January 2013 on a UK tour, broadcast on the 31st of January 2013. So basically, they had time to edit the crowd. 
Didn't need to edit the crowd. They were into it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this being a British crowd, the first time we've been in the impact zone every week up until now, which is fucking terrible. It's in Universal Studios and there's like 50 people and they're all paid actors pretty much is what it boils down to. Um, so being a British crowd, I was like, oh, it's at least going to be fun. You think about those NXT UK shows or some of the... I've been, I went to an Impact show that was... I say a TNA show, actually. Um, that was the very first UK tour they did. And it was great fun. The crowd was absolutely mental all night. They had Samoa Joe, Wrestling Kurt Angle. It was just really, really fun. Yeah. It, it'd be nice to actually hear the actual crowd for most of the show rather than just this piped-in... <laughs> Of bollocks, we have most of the show, right? Hang on, no, I think you pronounced Hogan incorrectly there. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, they're chanting Hogan. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, that's they've what just taken the first bit <gasps> of Hogan <laughs> and they're just looping that endlessly. <laughs> Fuck me, man. Borash, uh, yeah, Borash is the producer, guys. So, whenever we're like, you know, there's production issues, we're like, Jeremy Borash, you fucking loser. Um. So this is the Manchester Arena, as they call it, which is the MEN, I imagine, now, the Manchester Evening News. It was the MEN at the time, I think. I thought it was as well, but I didn't want to be like, yeah, whatever. Uh, in Manchester, England, gun capital of the world, boom, boom, boom. Uh, being this being TNA, they did a 1.2 rating, like they do every single fucking week. They never go any higher. Well, actually, they did one week, didn't they? Like a good lover, consistent. Hmm. Consistently below 1.2 mm, and yeah. i will take that what a 1.2 it's no, more than aw do at the moment and i'd also take you know take being dubbed below mediocre i would have that mm. <laughs> in my rating yeah commentary tonight is by mike tenay terrible taz also terrible but had some good moments on this show which will no he didn't later. no he didn't i dispute that <laughs> i'm going to preemptively dispute that entirely absolutely not did anything taz said on commentary no Bad you rich. haven't listened to the last three weeks <laughs> <laughs> he was better this week okay better than teflon taz alone <laughs> and todd kennelly kennel from helly todd on commentary who is the worst commentator I have ever heard in a professional wrestling show. Tom, what did you think of this commentary team? As you're so fucking keen to bury Taz. <laughs> Go ahead. So, with maybe the exception of the main event, um, it seemed like the commentary team were playing a game where they both had to see how long they could not talk about the match and talk about something else. Um, I got I got annoyed for sure about how they went into sort of tangents about their own personal lives or the Super Bowl or something, and for for the first like hour of the episode, I felt like they they may be called five spots in total throughout the entire show. Um, that it's was my problem with it. Yeah, yeah. In fairness, though, you mentioned about the spot the spot calling. Todd Todd from commentary got called out on it by Taz several times, and Todd from commentary went. Well, at least I got the backdrop right this year, this week. It's like, that's why he <laughs> that's, doesn't call the spots. He doesn't know the moves. That's the only reason I'm like, Taz did a little bit better. He took the piss out of Todd for some of the night, which was funny. <laughs> that's the only time that I'm like, this was reasonable. The rest of the night, I'm like, even today is completely off form tonight. It's like, they're, I'm convinced this is recorded in post. They're not in the arena at all. 
So they give even less fucks than they did previously. They're probably sitting somewhere in Florida in Universal Studios in a studio recording this, just going like, ah, fuck it, who cares? It wasn't the best. Yeah. No. So uh, there's a smattering of empty seats, but it's generally pretty sold out. This is a fucking massive crowd for TNA. Um, Do we have uh, how many people were there? I didn't get a digit, but give chat along and I will find it for you. Uh, quickly throw it out. They've got the WCW New Japan entrance uh, ramp straight onto the ring. So there's no actual kind of ramp down and step back up. I Hate personally it. love this. He hates it. What did you think, Tom? I really liked it, man. I felt that it, it, it made the wrestlers look like giants. And I think that's something I always like to see in pro wrestling is this idea that the the characters and the wrestlers themselves are these larger than life kind of modern titans. And it was really cool seeing them walk by and seeing some of the angles just made it look like these people were literally giants, giants among mortals. I think that was pretty cool. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, I, I totally get the the other side. I, I totally get the appeal of a ramp that lowers down. and Because, um, you know, with the WWE, pretty much the point where sort of the ramp reaches ring level, the wrestlers are all sort of shaking hands and like, you know, looking at pictures and stuff if they're a face at least. Mm-hmm. Um and it gives the performer, I think, more options to interact with the audience on their way to the ring than this kind of ramp does. But I did like it. Um, yeah, for my money, I liked it. Yeah, as we saw in AEW, as we saw in AEW, then having like Matt Jackson eliminated onto essentially staging—that's not a battle royal and take battle royal. I, I don't like it. But I found out that this is still one of the highest record attendances for TNA. And in Manchester, England, as you said, on the official taping date on the 25th of January, 4,000. It looks more than 4,000. So I wonder yeah. what they're doing hard cam. Mm. Well, the hard cam is positioned on the ramp, looking down at the ring. And I think maybe that's just like the biggest section of fans, which it, it seems like an odd choice, but I thought it worked quite well for most of the night. The cage match, it terrible but most of the night i thought like exposing the crowd as much as possible like, they're lit up for most of the night as well i think it's tna going look we've got fans <laughs> for the first time in a long time out of um, interest do you do you want to have a hazard a guess at what their record attendance is i was trying to think as you were saying it it is wembley arena is slightly bigger isn't it it's like five thousand. Tom, do you want to hazard a guess at what their highest ever attendance for any show, including UK or US or Canada or Japan this, when I went and did Bound for Glory in Japan? Is this including pay-per-views or just including televised shows? A highest okay, all I'm gonna go with TNA shows. 7,600. That's my guess. Rich, what was your number? I just said 5K because that's about the size of Wembley Arena and I think that's the biggest arena they ever ran. Isn't Japan? Mm. Kurokun. They definitely run Kurokun. I don't know if they run anywhere bigger than that. If they run Kobe or someone like that, then it could be more, but I'm going to stick with 5K. They, uh, Tom is the closest. By 500 out, their highest attendance has been 8,100 people at a, in London on the 24th of January 2009, headlined by Kurt Angle versus... J E double F J A double R E double T in a match which I called Did You Steal My Wife? <laughs> does Tom get that reference? Um, no, Tom does not. <laughs> uh, Jeff Jarrett 
is now married to Kurt Angle's former wife. It was a legit heat backstage thing. Oh, wow. There you go. Uh, worked yourself into a shoot, huh? Yeah, literally worked ourselves into a shoot. It was it was messy, but eh, skip over it. We, can we briefly just talk about the uh, the true um, terrible run of Jeff Jarrett as the NWA World Heavyweight Champion in TNA? People go on about Triple H like holding a company hostage for like holding that belt for a long time. Try and find a video on Jeff Jarrett, man. He shit on everyone for a long time. Remember those King of the Mountain matches and such? Remember this, Tax? He did have some really good green lasers, though. So, you know, he was allowed pyro, so he's got to have the belt. Mm. There's times when it was between him screwing over AJ Styles and Vince Russo constantly swapping heel to face, then swapping Jarrett and AJ and Joe and Daniels and all these people. Jeff Jarrett shit on all of them. Like, Monty Brown was lined up to be a massive fucking star for them. They were like, nah, we'll just have Jeff win the belt every week. It'll be fine. And the every single time gap, he won the belt, he won it with a guitar shot, not with the rest. The only gap they had in that big run was when Raven beat him for it. Then I think he feud, Raven feuded with Rhino, and then Jeff won it back at a house show in Mexico. Yeah, off TV, because they were debuting on Spike, I want to say. I can't remember that far, but because obviously, who are you going to want to be there? And also, who would think if you own the company, you give yourself the big belt? Who would have thought it? It, it? Do you know why they did it on a house show? Because Jeff thought he'd be the best guy to hold the belt going on to TV. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm the I'm a massive Raven <laughs> mark, but I can go if I was going to go. Who am I going to put on TV? Raven or former WCW heavyweight champion Jeff Jarrett? I put Raven. See, Jarrett's become a bit of a meme for us though, because J A J E W F J A W R E W T, and we've literally used like ten different wrestlers and spelt their name out like that just because they had something similar to Jeff Jarrett. So it kind of worked out for us. Yeah, future World Wrestling Podcast Hall of Famer, I would say. Oh, he's he's up there. Who who got in the Hall of Fame the first time? We've only got one. Murder Clown. <laughs> oh, of course it was. Yeah, the guy on the t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can buy at Amazon.co.uk. Just search World of Wrestling Podcast. Buy some lovely, lovely merch. Mm, yeah. Loads of people have bought our hoodies recently. It's really weird. I never thought they'd sell. <laughs> All that work that, that Willpower and, and your, your soon-to-be wife did. And you went, That's yeah, not what I meant. that work. <laughs> no one will ever no one will buy that shit. <laughs> That's not what I meant at all. I meant, I meant that I thought people might buy the t-shirts. They're like 15 quid. But people have been buying our like 30 30, 35 pound hoodies? How much are they? 30 pound hoodies, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, fucking hell, okay. Well done, boys. I appreciate it. Anyway, um, so we open with some fucking video package. It's the same fucking thing every single week. Hogan, Bully, and Brooke doing their bollocks. They, there was a wedding, uh, the higher power, biker twats kind of do their clapping. We get that all replayed. Bella still starts in two hours. Uh, <laughs> Jeff takes a hammer to the knee because he's a druggie and can't come to London. Do you know about this, Tom? No, I didn't. So there's a clip right at the beginning of this video package with Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Hardy takes a hammer to the knee, injuring him. And they talk yeah, about it, it a few is times. It, is it Slapjack who gets him in the knee? I'm right, isn't it? Slapjack. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why Jeff isn't here. It's not because he's got drug convictions and can't fly anywhere. No, he's having an MRI. <laughs> a massive roidy injection. One of many interesting announcements tonight. We'll, we'll get to that. So uh, the camera pans across a goddamn massive amount of people for TNA in Manchester. 
England, England. <laughs> Nationalism, am I right? Hey, yo. I mean, I like English fans. Generally, they're quite fun, but it's, it's still a TNA crowd. At least it's not a progress crowd. Yeah, not a fan. What do you think of the crowd, Tom? Well, considering all the shit you guys talked about TNA, I did not expect the crowd to be that size and also that into it. Um, they generally mm. seem to be responding pretty well. I just in that video package, because they play it like two or three times in the episode, one part I really liked was Bully Ray's unintentional um, suspense. So it's it's the way he the way he says his I love you and I want you to marry me is very specifically, I love you and I want you to marry and there's a long pause and then he <laughs> says me. And it's, it's someone who's just coming to the storyline, you know, blind. My initial reaction was like, is he like, is he trying to like, is are there other other suitors here? Like, is he going to name someone else? I generally thought that Bully Ray was going to ask Brooke Hogan to marry someone other than him, just based on the amount of time he leaves between the word marry and me. Like, watch that. I mean, it's it's a tiny bit, but watch that package back again at some point. Um, there's something in the way he pauses. Just We've completely unintentional suspense. Times because they, they, they play it like five times every fucking episode, mate. <laughs> so, like, we've, I've analysed this back and forth. Yeah. I mean, for a moment, ooh, who, who does he want it to marry? I'm hooked. But It's, it's the just way him. he phrased it as well, being, I want you to marry me. It's very demanding for a proposal. Oh, no, no. It's, I want you to marry me. Me. <laughs> it's not Rather going, than your father. Will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> like, who else... Yeah, who else is um who else is an option? Spike Dudley. Hulk. Well, yeah, Spike was on one of the episodes previously. Didn't get to do very much though. Got beaten down. Mm. Classic Spike. <sighs> so Todd on post production commentary welcomes us to the show. I'll do this in Todd's voice as I like to do on this podcast. Welcome to the Manchester e Arena in Manchester, England. A huge crowd on hand. They've been chomping at the bit for Impact to return. This lad in an Andrew WK shirt, and I'm like, I marked out. And what a night it's going to be. Open fight night for the first time ever in the UK. We're going to have Angle versus Anderson in the cage. Dixie is also here, and she's got a huge announcement. She's fucking not there. It's a video announcement from Florida, but they say she's here, but whatever. And she's um, teased huge announcements before, so we know it's not going to be a huge announcement. Mm. Oh, yes. Kaz and Daniels, bad influence as they're called here. Best tag team name ever. Absolutely love it. Out in kilts and Braveheart paint, which I don't believe the Scots ever actually wore. So I think this is exclusively for like, you know, fictional Scottish things. Right, Tom? You probably know this. Um, Nope. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, my... <laughs> No, I know. I know. My my knowledge of the history of kilts is, it's not there. I'm afraid. But I mean, they're just playing up the right part, aren't they? Yeah, mm. but but credit to them with that that whole gimmick is. The I mean, the idea about any kind of gimmick, right? Any kind of wrestling character is that, by the time they finish their ring walk and they've entered the ring, the crowd should know what they're about. Like they should know instantly if they're a heel or a face. And they should know broadly what their gimmick is about. And Bad Influence do manage to get across by the time they're in the ring that they're dicks and they're dressing up like William Wallace. So for me, that was like, okay, fair enough. They've done that. Because the problem with a lot of, I guess, what I saw in TNA today and 
a lot of modern wrestling, to be honest, is... I, I know that there are fewer big characters and big gimmicks, but most of the time, by the time the wrestlers made it to the ring, I still don't know what they're about. And for, for my money, yeah, by the time you crossed over that rope, the audience shouldn't have, have some semblance of who you are, for sure. I, I thought they reminded me of what the Viking Raiders looked like before they found fried chicken. 100%. Right on the nose. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> they uh, used the word shabble-dab and call the Manchester crowd tossers. Got a fair point there. Um, but, you know, using the Britishisms and all this sort of stuff. Uh, Christopher Daniels talks about he's a Scot and he can beat the, e- beat the English easily. Um, you know, as a very white, middle, fairly middle class man in his 30s, who's partly English and partly Scottish. Me too. (laughs) I finally got an opportunity to say this. How dare he? What is this Scottish-English rivalry thing? Like, this is... I'm half and half, mate. Like, what the fuck? You can't say this to me. (laughs) They knew about independence. They knew about the referendum long before we did. It did seem (sighs) odd. It did seem like... They, they there are other English other country rivalries they could have lent into. I think they would have been sort of bought, but that seemed to fall a little flat. Yeah, mm. maybe they could have just. Done, I mean, I feel if they if they came in as as great French caricatures and one of them claimed to have French heritage, I feel like the audience would have got behind that like ridiculous kind of bit of historical rivalry. But the Scottish thing didn't quite work. Never goes amiss in wrestling. Does it? <laughs> Gotta love it. But because there's, I think it's it's an <laughs> it's an easier stereotype, uh, a broader like an easier stereotype for the audience to get behind. But yeah, it felt like they were trying to get them angry about the fact they were Scottish, and the audience was like, no, it's fine, there's nothing wrong with Scottish people. They just Apart didn't seem like to really the bite fake ones that they dubbed in, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But they, they didn't really, they didn't seem to bite on that. I felt the audience. Yeah. So Magnus, aka Nick Aldis. Uh, heads out apparently this is his big return was he injured or something do you know this facts he was attacked by aces and eights oh okay one of those um at this point i'm just like the ring looks a bit small doesn't it they hired it probably for like tnt i wondered whether this was the wrestle ring because we've got one of them and it looks exactly the same like it's got blue ropes and everything and i'm like is that our ring (laughs) Because I think it might be, you know. <laughs> Who knows? If only you were in the position to ask someone if it was. It's <laughs> a fair point. I probably should have. But we've had a really funny day of libel meetings, which I'll talk about later a little bit if we get to that point. But I've already given. Well, Tom when the we rundown. get when we get when we get to one character, we're gonna have to uh, alter how we say things so we don't get sued. All right, fuck this show. <laughs> so the libel meeting, right, was really really good. What I learned is that I can't say. Hulk Hogan is a racist, okay? Like I just did on my podcast, right? But what I can say is my opinion is that Hulk Hogan is a fucking racist hot dog. <laughs> so that's okay. Don't give hot dogs a bad name. Yeah, sure. Uh, the crowd love a fellow Brit. They're giving Magnus all the cheers. Aldous calls uh, bad influence disrespe- disrespectful Muppets and the crowd go, that's like English, isn't it? <laughs> <sighs> talks about fighting an englishman magnus is one of those so they have a little fighty fight and todd on commentary goes magnus is swinging them around like a haggis 
Well played, Todd, from commentary. <laughs> Who swings a haggis? I eat a haggis. Is oh, the sorry, question. Just... <laughs> so just, 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 just a question about, um, about Magnus. Um, is pr- prior to this match, prior to facing off against the kilt wearing bad influence, has Englishness ever been a big part of Magnus's gimmick before this show? Yes, because when he teamed with Doug and they were very, very much in their British uh, Union Jack attire, it was not, those not, guys. Not English, and- though. The British invasion, part of Scotland included. Yes, but you know that's playing to the Americans not understanding there's a difference. I always hark sure. back to when I was watching a WWE show and they referred to they were going to Glasgow, England. Mm. Or hello, the UK. It's like always feels weird when someone says that. But there, Steve, there is something in there before that. They haven't just decided like, oh yeah, Magnus has always been about being English. He has had some kind of Britishness. Because um, my first reaction was like. Here comes a guy with the single most famous iconic Scandinavian surname, and you're trying to sell him as a as a British icon. That was my reaction. Like Magnus is like the Scandinavian um, first name. I mean, yeah, he but, he's his introduction gimmick was kind of that of a Roman gladiator almost as well. Okay, because it's so, like I mean it's, that's because. That's because who he played on UK Gladiators, so he carried that over into professional ah. wrestling. He was a gladiator. He was. When they did the remake on Sky, uh, Sky One, he was one of the gladiators for the remake on Sky oh, One. Wow. What was his gladiator name? I want to say Magnus. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think it was Brutus. I want to say Brutus Magnus. Oh, isn't I, that I think they Brutus call, um, is most likely. I'll, 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 I'll give it a Gladiator, look. But you haven't seen. Have you seen Gladiator Attacks? Um, no. I've seen three hundred a long time ago. Uh, I'm sorry, but okay. So it feels like they're setting up Magnus and Chris Daniels, right? Logic. But this segment is not over. So, bad influence, shoot off to the back. Magnus grabs the mic, cuts a promo going, I want a match this evening. I'm like, didn't we just set up your fucking match for this evening, Chris Daniels? Nope. Magnus calls out Devon Dudley because Aces and Eights beat him up previously. So, Devon heads to the ring from presumably some sort of illegal gun shop in Manchester or something. Uh, the fans... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. There's... <laughs> hmm... So the camera is going down the ramp, looking at the ring, and there's two sections of fans and an aisle in between them. You know what I mean? And every time a wrestler comes to the ring, fans flood this aisleway and stand in front of all the people in the front row. I'd be fucking furious if I was (laughs) paid for a seat in one of them. I have to fucking put up with all these fucking idiot people standing in front of me every single time someone comes to the ring. Like... This happens at arenas all across the fucking country. Why do they let people do this? I mean, it would almost be like buying tickets to a big show, and when you get there and you've paid for premium tickets, there are no seats left. Fuck you, Progress. That's happened more than once. I don't know. This really offends me. There's one kid who's standing in the fucking aisleway through the majority of this show. 
I'm like, sit down, motherfucker. <laughs> You're standing in front of someone else. Like, what a dick. Uh, so he wants uh, to see Oblivion from Gladiators. There you go, Oblivion. Oblivion. It's not a bad Gladiator name, to be honest. He was the uh, wolf character. He's like the bad guy. Uh, was he? Was he also the mum's favourite, like Wolf? Like Wolf was the thinking mum's bit of rough back in original Gladiator, for sure. <laughs> I remember a story about Wolf that was on local news um, when I was when obviously Gladiators was a big thing on Saturday night and TV, and Wolf had saved a woman's life in the street. And he was like all in full wolf gimmick on this local news. And it's like, oh, obviously I, you know, normally I'd just leave her, but I thought, well, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's in character on local TV. He didn't wear the singlet, so he wasn't a full oh, kit wanker, but it was a real shame. I wow. bet he was wearing a wife beater at least, though. Like one that hangs down right by his belly button. One where he wished he had the arms of Cobra. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Is is Gladiators or American Gladiators for our American friends listening out there the best knockoff of pro wrestling that's there's ever been? Kind of like you know, a, a distant cousin of pro wrestling almost. Is there anything else that compares? There was that. Oh, what's that thing that had um, Thingy Terry from Nine Nine on it? Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, Terry Crews. Yeah, he was on a TV show that was like Gladiators, and they ended up having the Gladiators and those guys feud with each other. Do you remember this? There was is that like of? American Ninja Warrior, or is that something else entirely? That's basically just the final round of Gladiators only, isn't it? American Ninja Warrior. It's just the yeah, whatever they call that. What, what do they call the the eliminator? The eliminator. Or something? The eliminator. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I wish I could remember the name of the show I'm thinking of. It's like Golden Warriors or something like that. Was it a, was it superhero-themed at all? Kind of. They were like, you know, gladiators that you had to compete against, but it was like different competitions. It was more kind of like, I don't know, WCW rather than BBC. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I think that's the best way to put it. Even though that was Channel 4, right? Gladiators? ITV. But all I'm thinking of now... Oh, of course it I, was. Yeah. When, you're sa- when you're saying it's like this competition, all I want now is Terry Crews to present a different version of Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> that's all I want him to do now. Oh, that'd be great fun. Anyway, back to TNA. Fuck this company. Uh, Magnus cuts a promo. He wants a match. Uh, Devon, blah, 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 blah. Um, blah, 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 blah. We come back from ads. First match of the night is immediately underway. Uh, nice editing here. Doesn't feel live in the slightest. It's just obviously pre-recorded, but whatever. Uh, Devon versus Magnus. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Borash. Uh, walk and or brawl. After Devon shoves the middle rope into Magnus's balls, Taz tells us the Englishmen don't wear cups. Do you never play cricket? I'm assuming not. You ever play cricket, guys? Oh, when I was a kid, yeah. Um, didn't wear oh, a cup then. School, of course, I played cricket. <laughs> <laughs> really boring. Really, really boring. I don't know. I like cricket. Like, I'm more of a. Back then, I was more of a sprinter than a um than a distance kind of person. So, aren't you, know, you like eight like foot tall? <laughs> By WWE standards, yeah. I'm, I'm a WWE 8 foot, which means I'm like 6'2 <laughs> in real life. How are you a sprinter then? <laughs> um, I, w- I was back then. I was back then. Um, uh, but not I'm anymore. like fat as fuck. I bet I can beat you in a sprint still. <laughs> I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't sprinted in a long time, but not wanting to sound cocky, 
Oh, no fucking chance, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw... I'm going to throw it out there. Over 100 <laughs> meters, I over 100 meters, I'd fancy my chances. In all seriousness. Yeah. All I, right, we'll settle this one day, boys. <laughs> I mean, when all this is over, when the country opens up again, like it's going to be a first thing we do is go to a racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wear my Limpid Christie fucking tighty whities right up against me bollocks. <laughs> See them bouncing around as we go. Did, did I'll wear my cup? <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll I'll wear what I normally wear when I go running. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> the thigh slapping it'll be like a super kick party all over the place <laughs> just helicoptering as he's running <laughs> it, it, yeah helps you get height <laughs> for sure oh um, fucking hell uh, Magnus hits a Mishinoku driver and Todd calls it a driver thought it was a scoop slam and I'm like fuck this guy he doesn't know wrestling Although he did predict that at some point Magnus has the potential to be a top-level world champion, and he is currently the real world's champion. So, well done, Todd, from commentary. He is indeed. The, the, I almost said TNA. That's not oh. real belt. The NWA world's champion, indeed. Does, does he get um, interesting? Like, is he interesting now, Magnus? No? He's good on NWA. Do you want to answer this? <laughs> <laughs> Tax. No, I, I think... I think as a, a classic NWA style champion trying to have a throwback to like the late seventies, early eighties, that's what he's gone for. Suits carrying the belt, got himself a nice female valet who can also get involved in the ring called Camille. Um was the headline actor all in against Cody Rhodes where he dropped the NWA strap to Cody. So For like a day. Yeah, then he won Fair it back enough, at uh, an, another event. But yeah, I think he's he's from this He's reached his peak as NWA champion. I don't think WWE or AEW would ever have him as their marquee talent, though. Because mm. he, he's got a good... It feels like he, he definitely looks the part, but there's just nothing to distinguish him um, from any other handsome big guy in trunks. And he just felt like a... Are we talking about this race again? <laughs> 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 no, he felt like a... Um... Oh, what's the word looking for? Like a... Like a like a cookie cutter face, you know, tall, handsome, He's a white meat like baby well, face. well built. Yeah, that's it. Um, he just felt yeah, like because <laughs> even even Sorry. the match with Devon kind of follows that really straightforward like face heel match where like he has his shine to begin with. He makes it clear that in a fair fight, he easily outmatches the fate the heel, and then like there's some funny business, and the heel kicks the shit out of him for a while, and then he gets his heat back. Um, and you know. And I know I know it ends in in, in gubbins, but it, it felt like but before interference, it felt like that's also the like the most textbook way that a basic like face heel match should go. Um, the whole yeah. thing just felt very yeah very cookie cutter. Just to clarify, the match ends when Gallows and Knox jump in, get told to get to fuck by Magnus, who stands tall in the middle of the ring, even though these are meant to be our big bad guys that are getting over with this new stable. So, winner via disqualification Magnus. is Magnus. But then he had the gall to go and celebrate after running off Ace and Eights with his back to them and stand up on the turnbuckle, and the bad guys didn't come in and beat him down. I mean, in fairness, they did this two months ago when he got injured. So, you know, TNA, rinse, repeat. So it's just, Or Gallows was just like, nah, I'm not being paid enough for this. I'm not getting in that ring. <laughs> Don't like wrestling. TNA, TNA, TNA. Can't do clean finishes. Couldn't just have Magnus pin Devon. He's the TV champion. We can't let our lead um, 
director of... Oh, not director of Ghost. What is it? Sergeant in Arms. That's what they keep referring to Devon as. We can't let the TV champ, who's not defending the belt on TV, lose. Hmm. There's a brief Joseph Park video recap montage because we can't have enough. He's going to find someone to wrestle because it's open fight night. Um, from this promo, Tom, where Joseph Park talks about how this is his Impact Wrestling debut, how many times do you think Joseph Park has wrestled before? Based purely on the promo, um, that's a good question. I'm, I'm going to just come out with it and say, like, by the time the match was over, I am a unironic Joseph Park mark. I loved Joseph Park. Um, absolutely. I thought he was like... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. No problem with Joseph Park. We'll, we'll get to it. I promise. Yeah. From this one promo, what are TNA telling you? Are they telling you that he's an experienced wrestler? Oh, yeah. No, are they telling you yeah. this is his very first match? Or is this like, you know, six matches in at this point? Um, I got the impression that TNA was trying to tell us this is a guy who's had one match before. Like one actual in-ring yeah, once. Fuck. Specifically. <laughs> How dare you, sir? Because <laughs> he you says so. the previous podcast, though. So you no, don't... no, he literally, he literally, Rich, mm. he says, so, I mean, maybe you, I don't know, maybe you're making a cup of tea or crying into a bucket because you were 20 minutes into a TN episode. But he literally says it in the <laughs> <Sounds> promo. <likely. laughs> he literally says in the promo, he mentions he's had one thing before. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I concede. Fine. Fuck you guys. Uh, Dixie also has an announcement. Do you know Bellator's on after this? Um, stock footage of London because, you know, they're on tour oh, in no. London. Here's Big it was ben. Manchester. Here's it was stock footage of Manchester. They got, was it was genuinely Manchester because they showed a sign that said Manchester. <laughs> it's funnier if I just say stock footage of London. Don't spoil it. There mate. are trams, though. Like, there are, <laughs> there, there's like five seconds of solid tram footage. Genuine and not Croydon trams, but clearly yellow Manchester trams. Sure. Almost run me over a couple of times. Those world famous <laughs> yellow trams, similar to a world famous Salisbury Cathedral, <laughs> which we travel for day trip to visit Salisbury Cathedral, along with the meerkats. <laughs> oh, the Novacek okay, boys thing. <laughs> no, oh, the Novacek boys okay. thing. Okay, <laughs> a joke I probably like to Swanley or whatever it was. Like I got <laughs> the name wrong. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit over my head. Um, okay, backstage with Barbara Brook and Steiner. Steiner? Why have I written Steiner? I there? wish he was there. <laughs> Stinger. Stinger, obviously. There we go. Or is he late, referred, to later, <laughs> referred to later in the show by Hogan as Stingman? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Some interesting nicknames they threw out there, like calling Hulk Hogan Hulkamania. Like, no, <laughs> that's not his name. <laughs> anyway, um, Hulk will be there, apparently. Brooke says, whatever I've been through with my dad, He's always pulled out. I mean, pulled through. <laughs> in your opinion, he's always plowed through. <laughs> in my opinion, yeah. in your opinion, <laughs> Thank yes. You. Thank you, Tom. Come on, Fuck guys. you, liars. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Park in the ring, who is also now on retainer for us. <laughs> oh, yeah, lawyer jokes. I got it. Sorry, <laughs> I'm very slow today. It's been a very long day. Three and a oh, half so hour libel meeting, dude. So what is I got the impression from one sort of throwaway line, but Joseph Park is a lawyer turned wrestler. Is that right? Do you know who he actually is? Um, he, other, he's other, the other than of other than literally the the best person in this episode. No, I don't know who Joseph Park is. Do you know who the wrestler Abyss is? Yes, I've heard of Abyss. This is Abyss's brother. Joseph Park, who's a lawyer, 
who's about exactly the same size and wrestles about exactly the same and has like kind of the same hair and you know yeah just happens not to have a mask so you can see his face so it's his brother okay Okay, that's yeah you you, like you shit me that's abyss Oh, no, well, man. Not a bit. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's Mr. America all over again. I get it. But, oh, wow. I did not. Okay, so. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Because he can, he can work, man. He can work. Exactly. I think we're all fair enough to say that we think Abyss is a half-decent wrestler, right? And how Joe Park sells being a new wrestler and the clumsiness he portrays in the ring is a really, really good character. He pulls it off really well great fun stuff man so joseph parks in the ring doing his whole like oh it's my first time wrestling oh it's a big crowd blah 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 um he gets interrupted by robbie e and rob terry who's a brit so i will now be cheering for the rest of them nationalism am i right in beautiful lemon yellow matching tops i gotta say this is very wrestling I like the matching yellow sweaters. Like this, I'm fine with this. You instantly know who they are. You instantly know they're a team. You instantly know they're meant to be heels. Because let's face it, good guys wouldn't wear that, right? I instantly went online and bought myself ten <laughs> to match your golden sparkly pants, right? Obviously, I mean, maybe I just <laughs> won't wear those at the ring anymore. Maybe I'll just take Tom's approach. I'll just go uh, top, naked from the waist down because I'm confident about that, but not my manly bitch tits. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I've got a line here that I'm not convinced I'm going to say, and I'm actually not going to say it. I'm going to move on from it. But Rob Terry's little friend Do you want to says, put it in the Discord and I'll say it? Do you want to put it in the Discord and I'll say it? <laughs> Joseph Park is a dummy dork. He's brilliant. It's really fun acting here. Uh, Little Rob challenges Park, uh, calls him a hamster. Didn't quite get that bit, but, you know, they have a match. Um, So, yeah, I find this Joseph Park character really endearing. I love the fact that this big monster who does all this hardcore shit can come out and basically pretend to be a really newbie wrestler. I think he's fucking brilliant. Genuinely, yeah. Best best thing in the episode. Um, and again, having having not watched the stuff before it, you know, being being new to this storyline entirely, being new to Joseph Park, I but before that match started, I knew exactly who he was and what he was about. I I, I could get immediately behind his story, having not been present for like any of the build up. And that that's my that's my problem with a lot of modern pro wrestling in general is the fact that I feel like oh maybe maybe this would actually maybe I would be enjoying this if I put in the legwork to like follow the storyline, but. The beauty of the wrestling I grew up on was you could just tune in, having not watched it for a month, and like by the time the match started, you knew what was going on and you were behind it. You know, you hated the heel, and you loved the face. And yeah, Joseph Park n- n- knocks it out of the Joseph Park for one of a less tired metaphor. There is a line. Um, hey, he's done this there, before, you know. <laughs> there is a line I really like in that match. Um, I, one of the things I love about wrestling commentators is the random weird stuff they say and the weird choice of words. And there's this one sentence. I can't remember who gets hit in the gentleman, but it's one of them. And one of the commentators says, there goes his social life here in Manchester for the evening. And that choice of words really tickled me because it implies that his social life in other cities is fine. 
um, it's just the one in Manchester that's the problem. Or um, his social life in Manchester is going to be okay, just not tonight. Like by the time the morning comes around or it gets to midnight, he'll be okay. But there's just something about that really clumsy arrangement of words, which is just pure bad wrestling commentary gold that, yeah, made me smile. DNA, DNA. <laughs> I guarantee it was Todd. I guarantee that sounds exactly <laughs> like something Todd would say. All fucking night, man. Every time he speaks, I'm like, just just put the words in the right order, motherfucker. Like, what's <laughs> wrong with you? It's not that difficult. <sighs> so, um, the, uh, do, I've just got the finish written down because the match is, it's kind of nothing-y, to be totally fair. The character works good. Robbie's a dickhead heel. But really, Park goes for a splash of Brett's rope. Love the way he pretends not to be able to climb the ropes. Second time we've seen this, but it still works. For the one, two, three, and the winner's Joseph Park. Anything you guys want to say about this? Todd from commentary tries to ruin it at the end, going, Court's dismissed. <laughs> Tom from commentary. Todd from commentary, you, you did your best. He makes really? a couple of bad lawyer jokes, doesn't he? He says something about couple? a debrief for um <laughs> I mean I was like twenty. They're all awful. As again, as a TNA newbie, I learned very quickly to tune out the bulk of the commentary. But I thought I thought it was a great match. Like there's a lot of spots I liked. I love the bit where um <laughs> where um uh, little Rob uh, sort of leaps at um, Park's chest and just bounces off him. And Park's just in there shrugging with his hands out, like not knowing what's happened. The scoop as well. Park's scoop is a really solid scoop. Um, yeah. yeah. That's an experienced I, I, guy who knows how to do the moves, you know? Yeah, it's that was... But he's brilliant at pretending not to be able to do them, but delivering them safely still. That's why I yeah. think the character works so well. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy that match. I think that put me on a high... Um, and I was thinking, oh man, like I've warmed up to this, you know, there was the, the first sort of Magnus Devon match was, was by the numbers, but mechanically speaking, like solid enough. Like maybe I was enjoying by this point in the show, I was enjoying actually watching a wrestling episode, like all the way through that changed very quickly. But at that point in time, I was like, you know what? It's been such a long time since I just watched something from start to finish in terms of televised wrestling and I'm having a good time. Um, so yeah, I was, that was my... That was the happiest I got, and it was all downhill from there. I was surprised you've already <laughs> hit the average number of matches on the average impacts within the first like, <laughs> half hour of a show as well. Yeah, at yeah. least they're actually putting matches on this week's show because they know they've got the big crowd, and they're like, well, we've got to use it. You know, It's not just they're in this shithole in fucking Orlando, Florida. They're like, oh, just, just film it all backstage, people talking, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. Yeah, I remember um, you guys saying is... on past episodes that they normally do like about three matches per TV show, just with a, a lot of bullshit in between and a lot of packages. Yeah, each match is usually under five, ten minutes, and it's like 90 minutes of television that fills two hours with adverts. You know? <sighs> okay, so Dixie has an announcement. Didn't know Bellator's on after this. Hulk Hogan walked backstage because, you know, WCW 2000. Um, Aries and Rude already in the ring cutting a promo and I'm like they've got good entrances what's wrong with you but like you know whatever um, Aries says they're being robbed well they are in Manchester so you know no pop in your opinion <laughs> 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 they're gonna get all the gold apparently uh, they tease a little bit of tension between the two which they've been doing for a couple of weeks now but it's very very subtle it's just two heels both being dicks at the same time, but they're kind of now a team, which is kind of weird. Uh, they're going for tag gold tonight, apparently. It's, they literally say, we're going for tag gold tonight. Rude causes wankers. My feelings are hurt. Uh, here come the tag champs, Chavo and Hernandez. Boo. Good boy. Fucking Chavo. He really doesn't like Chavo Guerrero. And I'm, yeah, I'm I've, I've been listening to some of your past TNA reviews, and I 
I have I have picked up on the subtle hints Tax has been making with regards to Chavo <laughs> Guerrero. Would you, like to know, would you like to know why? Is it something to do with the fact that, like, is is it, like is it the um like the classic Eddie move that he can't botches. really do properly? Yeah, <laughs> botches. Yeah, I was being polite. Is it because he keeps botching Eddie's classic repertoire? It's just because everything about, about him. I mean, first of all, he he rode on his uncle's coattails as much as he could for his entire career. And then it goes show the massive testament on how shit he is. That instead of letting his actual blood family get the world title, they said, oh, Ray, you do it because you shift more merch. And, oh, it's a crock of shit. He ruined the Kerwin White character. Dolph Ziggler could have been a fantastic caddy. Everything he's done has been absolute dross. Hate him. I, I feel the need to point out that that character was doing quite well until Eddie died, and they were like, mm, "Can't really do this character anymore." Well, not really his fault there, but I will back you up on the front that he was constantly WCW cruiserweight champion and was fucking terrible the whole time. And their cruiserweight division was one of the best divisions of any wrestling company ever. And so it's really like, annoying that entrance music thing. as well. Ooh, Chavo! Ooh, Chavo. Fuck off, Chavo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make the same complaint as well. The second point of a making all episode is obviously um, the it factor are heels. Uh, but yeah, like the tag champs come in and again, I, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to make of them. They seemed like a couple of jerks, but then I was like, oh, are they are they sort of cocky faces that people like because they're, they're slightly meant rebellious? To be the good guys. They're yeah, meant I, to be the good guys here. I, I didn't, yeah, that didn't come across. Although one thing I really liked from the it was when they say they, they're going after all the championships and they're going after the knockout championship as well, which was funny. Yeah, I appreciated yeah, sure. that. <laughs> the reason Chavo and Hernandez is not over is because, well, they're shit, right? And they've got this company. There's a running theme throughout this entire show where these are wrestlers and like bookers and production teams, whatever, that are really, really used putting on a show in front of their audience of what 100 150 maybe like 200 people max right in that small place in orlando not enough not enough yeah and they're basically they can tell them what to say and think and applaud or boo or whatever and so they never have like this reactionary crowd thing so when these guys come out and they're actually in front of a live crowd that won't just cheer who they're told to cheer for you know they go well, these guys are shit, and the guys in the ring are really entertaining, so we're going to cheer the guys that are entertaining us. You know, it's it's basic, like, entertainment logic. If someone comes out and makes you laugh, you're going to enjoy that. Which, does that mean that Rude and Aries aren't doing their job properly because they're meant to be the bad guys? They got over a hell of a lot more than super mechs and super shit, did. Just saying stuff like we're going to win the Knockouts Championships is funny. It doesn't make you boo them, which is what they're meant to be doing here. <laughs> well, to be fair, if they weren't being funny, um, then I don't think anyone would have liked any of the people in that match. You've got to like someone. And if the On faces the aren't going to be likable, <laughs> then the heels might as well be entertaining, right? Fucking A. <laughs> so, here come the tag champs, Charvo and Hernandez. Um, it seems like we're going to get a tag title match tonight, right? So, for the second time in a row, they're setting up a match between, this time, a tag team. But oh no, this is TNA. So Chavo cuts a promo saying they have to be a tag team to get a title match. And I'm like, they've been a tag team for three weeks now. Chavo doesn't watch this program. Fucking logic. Yeah, I didn't Ugh. get that. Um, what, why, why did he not think they were a tag team? 
Because he's a fucking moron. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have been singles guy. And the first pay view we did, they were in a match together in a triple threat with Jeff Hardy, all for the belt. But they were kind of teaming up then as well, to be fair, against Jeff for like 90% of that match. And so this whole thing has absolutely fuck all logic. And then Chavo challenges them to a fight. But then Rude grabs the mic and is like, ah, let's have a one-on-one match then. And you're like, wouldn't you immediately go... It's open fight night. We can challenge you for whatever the fuck we want. Please, can we have a tag title match? Well, give me my tag title match. Like, the logic here is mind-blowingly stupid. And just, this is the kind of shit with TNA that just frustrates the hell out of me. It makes no fucking sense. Rick Rude would have stood there and said, I want to challenge those belts, but I'm not going to win my title in front of these Manchester sweat hogs or something like that. Exactly. Any sort of logical thing to get you out of that situation, fine. But this is not it. The way they did it was awful. You know, well, I mean, the the ultimate result was better because it made Chavo look like a fucking Muppet, which I was all on board for. One other bit before we kick into this match. Do you catch that last week when Aries or Rude, one of them had to wrestle Hernandez, they were both like, no, no, you wrestle him. I'm not wrestling that big fucking guy. But this week, in terms of like kayfabe or whatever, they were like, oh, Chavo, yeah, I'll wrestle that guy. <laughs> no, no, I'll <laughs> wrestle him. Please, I want to wrestle him. Because he's the easy win, obviously, is what they're implying. So, I mean, they're not wrong. Um, So the match is Austin Aries with Bobby Roode versus Chavo Guerrero with Hernandez. Uh, Chavo hits a beautiful reverse slingshot topic on Hilo as fans chant for Aries, the heel. Uh, world-class dropkick by Chavo. Chavo sells Aries heat-seeking dive like an absolute boss. Chavo's doing fucking great work here. Chavo no, is not. just the very best in the ring. No, he's not. <laughs> Do you want me to stop now? Do you want me to tell you who's doing the best in this match? The referee. Cool. Okay. Most talented person in the ring <laughs> and the one I can tolerate the most. Oh, I mean, Bobby Roode's on the outside, so he doesn't really count. I've got to say, pro wrestling being this amazing theatrical flamboyant thing, you know, Chavo with his short balding sack back and sides and black trunks and little goatee and black boots. It's like nailing the gimmick work here, Chavo. Fucking hate Chavo. It's just (laughs) really boring. It's really, really boring. I can't wait to pay for a cameo for him to record a Ford for the pod. (laughs) (laughs) There's a really, really weird moment in this match where I was getting annoyed watching this show and then Aries goes up top and he does the Eddie Guerrero shoulder shake thing and I'm like, uh, okay. So he's mocking dead Eddie Guerrero before missing a frog splash? Uh, I didn't know what to think about this. It's a bit weird. Austin Aries also a prick. Yeah. Basically, get the ref out of the ring, drop a bomb, and then we're happy. Hmm. Do you get this, Tom? Um, No, um, I didn't. To be fair, I I zoned out for a lot of that match. That match was not an interesting match. Um, Commentary commentary play this little mocking Eddie Guerrero thing off as mocking. Oh, he mocked Chavo. Like, no, no, that that's Eddie's shtick that he just mocked. And I was like, pretty douchey fucking move, considering he died, what, mm, seven, eight years before this, if that? When did Eddie die? Oh, crikey. I know, it's not mad. 
Whatever, let's move on. So some dueling chants. The crowd are making the best of quite a bad show at this point, but at least they're trying to have some fun and it's more entertaining than watching these fucking idiots in Universal Studios every week. Uh, the Three Amigos by Charvo. At least the fans chant for Eddie a little bit during this bit, like a bit of respect, you know? Um, I'm utterly convinced even these fans in this show uh, are not really like wrestling fans. They're like TNA fans because the, the Impact shows <laughs> were... <laughs> We're on Challenge TV, right? Yes. So, do you see what I'm getting at here? They like a bit of bully, and then they like a bit of bully. <laughs> that wonderful! I can't believe I've done a bullseye joke. Finally nailed it. <laughs> see you later. After all these years, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Drop the mic, walk off, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's like. If I was there as a fan watching this show, I'd be taking every opportunity to shit on it as much as possible. <laughs> Maybe that's not a nice thing to do, but it is bad. They kind of have earned it. Like, you feel that... <laughs> There's a part of me that's been to a reliable meeting of three and a half hours where someone's told me what not to say, and I'm like, well, fuck you, and I want to say what I want to mean now. But like at the same time, like I'm I'm a I'm a generally a good wrestling fan. When I go to wrestling shows, I chiff the good guys, boo the bad guys. If I don't really care about it or I'm not inclined to do either, I'll just shut the fuck up and like, you know, watch the show. Because it's people doing a live performance stuff. But I feel that TNA are going, we're the best, everyone should look at us, blah 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 blah. And they put on these dog shit shows. They kind of deserve to be have the shit taken out of them the piss taken out of them almost you know and these fans are just like having a lovely little time and like, i don't know i want to spoil their time <laughs> i guess is what i'm trying to say this uh, this seems like a time when i went and watched raw with a couple of my old work colleagues when i worked for the software company and the south african chap there was clearly a guy and a girl in front of us both wearing their john cena t-shirts who looked like they were semi on a first date and he looked like he was doing really well until my south african work colleague turned around and went She's too good for you, mate. You should probably go home. <laughs> and they'd gone <laughs> before the main event. <laughs> Jeez. And that's why people shouldn't, who aren't wrestling fans, shouldn't go to wrestling events. Because <laughs> they, they produce better content than what I watched. <laughs> when we were at Progress at Wembley, um, wasn't there almost a fight off to the side of us at one point? I think you'll just think that's Conroy getting hammered. Because <laughs> Conroy was really pissed. Wasn't someone saying something to someone down in front of him and they were getting like annoyed or something? Am I making this up? I, no, because at Wembley, that was just the American guy in front of us who found it funny that we referred to tax as drawing pins. Yeah, he was lovely. And like he was laughing at all our Britishisms and stuff. But I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, let's move on. After some run-ins, you know, run around the ring bollocks from Hernandez and Ruse because, you know, TNA, kind of clean finish. Uh, Ares delivers a pretty horrifically brutal looking brain buster to the Charvo, properly folded him in half here for the one, two, three. Tax is nodding with enjoyment, I imagine, seeing Charvo getting hurt. Best thing Austin Ares done in his career. So getting a shot at the tag team championships are now Ares and Rude because Ares wins here. Um, yep, that was a match. What does that show you for your tag team partner? He gets a little bit heated as a baby face, gets bullied into a situation where he challenges either one of them from match and puts Hernandez's tag belt on the line. What a piece of shit. 
Fuck you, Charvo. That's what Sean Hernandez was saying. <laughs> Brooke tells Bubba that he's here, and they head to the ring. Uh, there's this TNA Valentine's Day sales thing where you it's know, tiring, isn't yeah. it, Rich? It's tiring thinking about it. It says something about just engaging with it, which just saps your energy. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to make fun podcasts, but at the same time, I think listening to my disillusion with TNA every week is kind of entertaining as well. So I'm not hiding it too much. You, know? just, you just you you sound like a man who is both simultaneously had enough of TNA, but also is acutely aware of how much more TNA he has to get through. That's why that's how you come across. I blame this cunt sitting beneath. <laughs> it is fault. Uh, Only they... six more glorious episodes after this one. <laughs> were they knockouts in the um in the Valentine's ad? Were they actual? Yeah, they're female wrestlers. Yeah. What, what what were they? Well, they're they're certainly What's... female. Were they? Like I didn't understand this. Are they? Was that advert basically saying like, oh, we, we, we've got we've got lingerie over at the TNA shop? Or was it like, oh, it's Valentine's Day, so we're doing something sexy. But basically, you can just buy like a bunch of t-shirts and fake belts. Like what was what was being sold in the TNA shop? on that day i suggest i suggest they were selling t-shirts to cover up those whores yeah pretty much man it's if you want to be a female wrestler for us you have to be a a slot on television as well like this is how this works we'll get to that when we get to velvel's match with the uh crotch camera can i also point out the company is called tna the show's called impact wrestling this advert is for shop tna no yeah. shop impact, <laughs> you fucking losers. <laughs> what I thought fuck? they'd rebranded by that like, point. I thought, it, yeah. Well, so it just, it's, that <sighs> advert still crazy. baffles me. Fucking That's branding. Still, it, I, I didn't even realise it was, I thought it was a sponsor, like they're being sponsored by Victoria's Secret around Summers or something when that first came. I was like, oh no, it's, oh, it's it's an advert for wrestling merch. How is that an advert for wrestling merchandise? Um, it's like, oh, you like you like girls in, in like, Montreux, right? Well, look, look, look at them for like 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, because you know, and then you'll be so grateful that we showed you a, some TNA that you'll um, I I that baffled me. It still baffles me. Did you get the joke? Did you get the joke? Because TNA, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking TNA, I mean, man! It certainly didn't work on me, but I did then go and order fifty Sting T-shirts after seeing that promo. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you know Bellator's on after this boys uh angle backstage with joe and little briscoe and little bischoff uh joe has angles back this evening joe doesn't need briscoe briscoe or bischoff turning up so get fucked young boys uh angle is nicer to the young lads than joe is lovely little segment here wouldn't you agree good uh did you know there's an announcement tonight for dixie did you know the bellator's on after this as well fucking ads jesus christ uh another hogan brook bubba video package because truly can you ever have too many of these um quick question on this so they kept mm. on making reference at this stage on this episode but you're he's you're, you're his son-in-law hang on didn't the wedding get interrupted so how's the how, when do they officially mm. get married they were never pronounced think, husband and wife at the wedding and then taz said you... hang on mm. <laughs> I think I you've say, got a ring on the finger and you say I do like they did. I think that's far enough, right? Did they sign the register? No, it's not a legally binding wedding. Not on telly so, they didn't. Like as long exactly, as the officiant so, says he pronounces you, then that's I think the didn't. only stuff that needs to happen. In, oh, if he 
He was maybe about to, on, maybe. and then Taz said, hang on. Taz went, are you sure you want to do this? Either the storyline or the marriage. And uh, and then he said, oh, Company it's getting a bit wrestling. hot in here. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Brookhead to the ring. Commentary here is just fucking Taz. Jesus Christ, man. Heel Taz is intolerable so annoying <sighs> Bubba cuts a promo while Brooke stands around so Bubba shouldn't be wearing dress shoes either dress shoes jeans and a vest top what are you Pete? oh he's in Manchester oh that's court aware um so Tom guess the age difference between Billy Ray and Brooke um I'm gonna say Brooke is about 10 to 15 years older than Billy Ray <laughs> no fucking your opinion I'm just, I'm, just, is. <laughs> I'm just i'm just i'm just messing with you um i don't know um bully ray i guess at this point is probably in his late 30s very late 30s um you mean bro- when, when you say very late 30s you mean 50s right <laughs> is i mean he's doing well for 50s if he's in his 50s i think he's 46 i seem to remember he wasn't because yeah i mean yeah, just I couldn't because this was 2013, wasn't it? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I think in my head this was earlier. Um, no, okay. Uh, but Bria Brooks hard to wait. She could be anywhere from like early 20s to like mid 30s. 15. So um, uh, for the whoa, first whoa, whoa, time, whoa, 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 Taz... whoa, 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 no, we're not going to gloss past that. I can't. I need to know if you're joking or not. How old was Brooke? <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. It's fine. Every time I increase the age gap, every time we talk about it, <laughs> okay. so like it, what started out about thirty odd years age difference, it's become 40, 50, 60, Like every time I bring it up, so by the time they do and it, we're getting a baby. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, so Taz, his commentary is fucking abysmal, especially as yeah, a yeah. He really annoyed me, man. I I got very very sick of Taz very quickly. But <laughs> there's a bit where Brooke goes, "I love you so much." To, to, sorry, when Bully goes, "I love you so much," to Brooke and Taz, the commentary just goes, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> "It's exactly how I felt." So I was like. Bully Ray Nailed cannot it. do a romance angle. Like his facial expressions throughout this whole the four episodes. I like Bully Ray. I like how he managed to Brooke, actually get. You a will main love event book. me, Bubby. <laughs> it's fucking die oh, so much. Sorry, I interrupted you. I'm hmm. a dick. Brooke, are you young buck? <laughs> Tom's not going to get this gimmick. He hasn't heard those podcasts. <laughs> Let's move on. So, uh, Baba makes the crowd chant for Sting. He's literally going, Sting, Sting, chant with me, you cunts of Sting, Sting. They, they do. We don't have the red <laughs> button comply. like we do in Disney or Orlando, wherever they care to play. Sting, still in his transitioning out of Joker character, heads to the ring. So he's got like a bit of red, a bit of black face paint. He's still got the big eyes from the Joker character, but it's kind of like Crow Sting. Uh, he's got the ruby and gold ring robe tonight. I'm like, oh, Sting might be wrestling because he's got the cool robe out tonight. No. Um, Sting tells us it's good to be back in the UK. Still strikes me a bit weird when people say this. I don't know why. Does it matter? No. Cool. Uh, Sting forces the crowd to chant for a racist hot dog, in my opinion. Um, is this just how teenage storytelling now? Like, chant because we're telling you to chant. That's storytelling. Well, again, right? that, 
they had that at the sound station where they could put up applause signs. So they don't have that in the Manchester arena. So they've now got to have the rest to say, here's what to do, guys. And I can imagine telling Sting to go, Sting, you're one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Do you want to go out at one of our biggest shows and chant Hogan? Are you okay with this? Oh, here's an extra 50 grand. Oh, you are happy to do it. Lovely. It does feel like Sting's just here for the the joyride, the money. He's not really here to do anything or achieve anything, really. It's a shame. He's, really, Sting. Really he's basically he's Tom Hanks in a Simpsons movie. He TNA doesn't have a lot of credibility, so Sting lends them some of his. I feel that's what Tax it is. Didn't get that. Tax didn't get that reference. He's not seen movies. <laughs> um, Which is good because the cinemas are closed at the moment, so no one else is watching them. Ah. Because there's no other ways to watch movies. Uh, VHS. <laughs> <laughs> so Stinger encourages Hulk and Bubba to kiss and make up. Hulk repeats his line from last week. I always do the right thing. Yeah, sure you fucking do, you racist piece of shit, in my opinion. Provided you don't uh, get caught. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's fine if you don't get caught. You can be a racist cunt as long as you don't get caught. In my opinion. In your opinion. Wait, no. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I meant at all. Holy shit. Uh, Hulk reinstates Bubba by who, by the way, while not being instated in TNA, he's been on every fucking show involved in brawls and segments. He's had a wedding. <laughs> I'm like, the logic of this storyline is dumb as fuck. He's on holiday. What, in Manchester? Poor bastard. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's it's I, dreadful. I, Universal Studios, like, yeah, that's a nice holiday, to be fair, but... Hey, Manchester's I not... I like Manchester. Manchester's not too bad. I know. Like, I... It's, it's just a gag, Tom. It's okay. <laughs> we can be dicks the Manx. It's fine. I just... Yeah, I just trying saying, to think nothing about is me. real. This is all fake. It's just an illusion. <laughs> I'm just trying to think back to... Um, I've only been to Manchester twice, um both times for work. Once I almost missed my train back because I got given terrible directions by the person in the um, petrol station. Fucking Manx, uh, I tell you, the bastard. <laughs> um, and the second time, um, yeah, it was during Halloween and Manchester Man goes all out for Halloween. Like they're what they, it's, it's nice to see somewhere in the UK actually give a shit about Halloween, the greatest holiday of the year. That's actually um, how they, that's actually how they look normally though, Tom. <laughs> well, in which case, they get my votes even more so. <laughs> it's, it's okay. My sister and the, my nephews and stuff, well, they all live in Manchester, so it's fine. They're not Manx, oh, I, but they live in Manchester. So. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I know. They're Man United you... fans, you know. They don't live in Manchester. <laughs> Sorry, they live in Manchester, but they're not Manchester. Ooh, you know, like the, the Manchester United, right? Um, who was yeah, it he yeah, said? Yeah, the Manchester United. Who was it he said? Who was it he said? The Manchester United? Was that a it WWE was a UK show? pay-per-view? It was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So Hogan, let's move on. Let me move on. Hogan, uh, Hogan sets up Barbara and Sting versus Ace and Eight's lads in a tables match next week. Awesome. Um, blah, blah, blah. Oh, at the end of this segment, Hulk Hogan holds out his hand to shake Bubba's hand. And Bubba has the opportunity of a fucking lifetime to go... <laughs> do the macho man superpowers thing and doesn't fucking do it and i'm like that's it nope you're done as a wrestler for me 
if Hulk Hogan puts out his hand to shake it, you hold your wrist and you move your fingers and you go, ooh, and then you give it the big fucking handshake, right? It's not just me. It's almost like he knew. Bully Ray knew. Because, you know, he's in the family, so he knows what to expect from Hogan. I'm not going to shake your hand in a fun way, mm. brother. Sure. And also, he referred to Sting as a Jamaican and referred to him as Stingman. So... <laughs> You did. <laughs> Shitty wrestler Velvet Sky walks backstage. WCW 2000. Uh, Dixie's announcement. Tax, would you like to unveil Dixie's incredible announcement they have been building all fucking night to? Paul Heyman has joined the booking committee. Oh no, that's what was that's being like... reported at the time <laughs> mm. that was going to be the big announcement. But finally... Hogan's got his own way in his attempts to bankrupt the company and he's going to take him on the road and they're going to start in Chicago, Illinois on the 14th of March. So we are going to get impact on the road as part of this Ace and Apes run. She Huge says the word permanently, which just made me burst out laughing because this lasts, well, what, three months maybe? A bit longer and then they're back in the impact zone? Like, so fucking quickly. Because they ran out of money, because this was when Spike were not renewing their contract after this point. Yeah, awful fucking idea. Taking this show on the road is absolute terrible idea. Like, the Impact Zone is terrible, but at least financially it makes sense for them, drawing 1.2s every fucking week on Spike. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just the dumbest fucking announcement ever. It's, it's totally illogical. It, it seemed kind of exciting at the time, because it's what we've seen in the past with Nitro and Raw and stuff, but... You know, it's what it is. Um, yeah. The framing on this fucking announcement. Her head's in the middle of the screen and there's like two tons worth of headspace. Looks like it's shot on a fucking like nineteen ninety three flip phone or something. It's, it's terrible quality. I um, likened yeah. it in my notes to it was a game of catchphrase because you couldn't actually tell what date they were going on tour because you had part of the word somewhere, part to be revealed later, and I was expecting like Boresh to come along, push a red button and Mr. Chips to come out. <laughs> quality of it man it's just dumb do you want to say anything tna 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 i i mean i guess it was an announcement um <laughs> she, she, let's I, finish this by saying apparently dixie is going to join us in our hometown soon i'm like really <laughs> my hometown because <laughs> it's quite small <laughs> it felt but, like you know. it felt like on some level the episode realized as soon as it went out um that the announcement was a letdown because as soon as that little video package is over no one mentioned it like the commentary didn't sort of refer back to it if i remember correctly um they, did they just briefly. sort of like they did the... briefly during velvet's entrance yeah they, they're just because they're they don't paid. want to travel because they yeah. don't want to travel they're like fuck we've got to leave orlando Ugh. Velvet Sky heads to the ring. She cuts a promo. Plenty of twats in the crowd are like wolf whistling her and stuff. Because, you know. Uh, Velvet calls Jesse Tara's girlfriend. And I'm like, that's pretty fucking sexist, yo. How dare you, sir? M madam, whatever. Um, uh, Tara knockouts champ and Jesse come to the ring. I like the reversal of having a male valet. I think that's kind of fun. Uh, I like the way they, they portray it as well. Carmella's got that with Reginald at the moment in on SmackDown as well, doesn't she? Which I think works quite nicely. Did you see uh, Reginald and uh, blah, 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 blah. what's her name? Champ Sasha. 
Sasha Banks have Sasha the match Banks. where they neither of them took a bump for like five, six minutes. One of the most clever right. matches I've ever seen. They just do kind of like circus tricks the whole time. It's really, really impressive, but it feels like a wrestling match. But they never actually strike each other or hit each other in any way, shape, or form because they're not allowed to show that on Fox. So, yeah, I thought it was really smart. Anyway. Um, so, Velvet Sky is going to challenge Tara for the belt, you would assume at this point. She can challenge anyone she wants. It's open fight night. But for a third time in a row, she fucking doesn't. <laughs> she goes, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to have a tag team match, which is going to be James Storm and Velvet Sky versus Jesse and Tara. And Taryn Terrell is the ref for some reason, who's meant to be the ref for the knockouts matches, right? Which I guess Women this kind of half is. She probably <laughs> thought logical booking would happen and she challenged for the belt. <laughs> so Taryn Terrell went out yeah. and when it turned into a mixed tag, she goes, oh, fuck. I didn't see that coming. So three times in a row, they've got this opportunity for a wrestler to come out and be like, I want this tag title shot or I want this match. And they book something else. So what's the point of open fight night? Well, Joe Park wasn't going to wrestle Robbie E, so he got to wrestle him. Um, Magnus got to wrestle one of his... He wanted revenge, not the shitty belt, because everyone thinks the TNL belts are ugly and don't want to carry them through the airport. So why would you challenge them to have to carry them back from Manchester to Orlando? Fair point. Extra charge. <laughs> Especially if there's now excise duty. I know this obviously in 2013, but imagine Brexit now trying to get those belts sent home. Fucking hell. Fair <laughs> point. Taz makes comments about drunks and being in Manchester. And Taz goes on to call Todd on commentary awful and cheesy. I'm like, Taz is getting in my good books. As, as bad as commentary <laughs> is. He's making some good points here. Uh, bell rings. Tanae reminds us that Bellator is on after this shit. Because, you know, I, I legitimately just got up and made a sandwich. Let it play. I was like, I don't care. Um, I did have a thought, though, which I'd like to put to you guys. I started wondering whether we could just end this series completely and just do anything else to start <laughs> with. <laughs> And then I was just like, yeah, I know. Yeah, shaking your head at me. Thanks, mate. Um, it's it's just bad and mind-numbing. <laughs> like, torture almost at this point. And I, I started to realize that this is legitimately the worst wrestling product I've ever seen. I've watched a shitload of wrestling. Uh, we've even watched Jim Cornette's Smoky Mountain. Um, it's not good, is, this, is it? Is this the worst wrestling you've ever seen? guys wrestling After you, Tom. no okay um, what's worse than this I beg of you to explain to give me some reason to continue with this series and not just so to fucking kill them all just, just to be clear <laughs> if you continue with this series that's on you do not put that on me <laughs> um, I'm looking for someone else to blame what can I say Um. so I'm I'm a little, I guess, impartial here because I'd say there there was an element to watching this where I was just enjoying the act of actually watching an episode, like start to finish, um, where I've been, you know, my engagement with wrestling for such a long time has been sort of highlights and best bits and just using sort of YouTube or the internet to steer clear of having to wade through the dreck to get to the decent stuff. Um, you should I try definitely... an episode of AW Dynamite. You would love it, but please continue. So I, I haven't I haven't seen enough of TNA um, to be of the authority to say it's the worst wrestling product I've ever seen. But I have been bored start to finish through 
more than one episode of Raw and SmackDown in my time. I was not bored for the Joseph Park match. And for that reason, because this is a, a, a very limited exposure to TNA, um, in, the, in the only episode of TNA I've watched all the way through that I remember, um, I enjoyed one match and I've enjoyed nothing of many episodes of the WWE's product before. So yeah, it's not the worst I've seen based on that. TNA was really good in 2009 when it was okay. headlined but by that's, Joe. That's not what we're talking about. You've seen four episodes of this shit now, so you've got more of a perspective. IPW five star. Already worse. Ooh. 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 Okay. Okay. You've got an argument there. That five star show was. But, but the. Mm. Right. IPW's bad, right? The, the bits we've experienced live and stuff. But they had Puck with the Dragon Gate belt. Just that is enough to make that better than this, right? For me. Even though the ring yes, broke, and he didn't cut, and, and he didn't come out unless so you could have a picture with the belt. So technically, he fucked you. No, yeah. but we, we, I'd let him fuck me. To be fair, <laughs> he walked out with the open the dream gate belt. I got to see that belt in person, and that is the coolest thing in professional wrestling. I don't give a fuck what anyone else says. Like it's better than the IWGP, better than the big gold, better than the winged eagle. That that open the dream gate belt is the most gorgeous fucking thing in professional wrestling. Okay, and five star was so bad that it was comical this is just about good enough to be considered a wrestling product right five star wasn't five star wasn't a wrestling product it was just what the fuck are we watching you know it's like a sixteen thousand seat arena with 20 people in it it's like that's hilarious in itself this is i feel sorry for people that bought tickets to this so it's it's boring basically. That, that's that's its problem is it it's dull yeah. like if something is abysmally mind, bad it's entertaining but this is just a yeah mind-numbing a logical nonsense of it or it just it's it seems like such a waste of time i think also because there are you can see there are good ideas in there like there's there are these little moments of understanding of what a good wrestling product is and there are good ideas um and yeah as you say just a lot of missed opportunities a lot of frustrating booking um, but based on this episode alone, this would not be enough to deter me from TNA forever. Um, mind you, it's been some time since was... I've seen it. If you ask me that question when I'd finished, <laughs> I, like, like the, the main event, I just stopped caring about halfway through the main event. I just, I, I tried really hard to just try and take in every single like spot and every moment of this. But I, by the time it got about halfway through the main event, just like, no, no, Tom. Show you do some self care. That, that's the experience I had. No. Yeah, that's the experience I had during this match because I was just like, I thought they were building to a women's tag t- title match. Then it goes to this mixed tag where it's just awful. The whole thing there, is terrible to me. There are some redeeming bits I think to this match. Like there are some spots um, after the after, after the like men the interference with the men happens and it goes back to just being the two knockouts. Um, there's a couple of fun spots. They do this kind of whirly gig thing, which is fun. Um, like there's some genuine like circusy in ring stuff, and I also think the one thing that Todd does right is he helped me underst- he helped me understand the character of the cowboy guy. Like it had to be all sort of telling, not showing, which is just textbook bad storytelling. Um, but him ex- him talking about the previous match and how currently in TNA the role the cowboy is filling is he sort of steps in to help people right wrongs and then steps out again. That kind of handsome stranger, man with no name, 
um, sort of walks in to be that supporter on the side of good. Like, I thought that that's quite a cool gimmick. That kind of handsome stranger, man with no name thing. I can see that's like, that's an interesting thing. He's, he's that's, that gives him a, a unique motivation amongst the roster. Um, so I thought, yeah, I mean, well, well done, Todd, called, for that. We've got nothing for you. <laughs> but I mean, this is what enough, I'm saying, but... right? Yes, they're doing bits like that. But none of it matters because this match doesn't matter. His character at this point doesn't matter. He's got no purpose. He's got nowhere he's going. He's got no reason to be in this match at all. It is, it is also the, the, the one single match that has no connection to Aces and Eights, right? Is that right? Because every other match on the card has an Aces and Eights connection, but this one doesn't. Correct. Yep. Starting to see what I'm getting at every single fucking week. You're like, but why? Why? Why are you doing this? Like, it's just, I can't. It just seems so simple to me that you could just make very, very little changes and it would be absolutely fine. This would be a really fun little wrestling show to watch, but they always fuck it up. It's like, I, I think of it as booking by committee every time, you know, but let's get to the finish. So, the pro- um, uh, you're welcome. Go on. I'm just trying to get through it so we can no, play the game at the end. That's <laughs> right. That's right. I was just going to say the the reason TNA had to coin a pun, obviously, when they played their turning point was when Bischoff and Hogan came in and got in Dixie's ear because obviously Spike wanted them. Spike paid them. It wasn't TNA's bankroll that paid for Bischoff, Hogan, Sting. Spike TV paid for these guys. I think the problem was having Hogan involved and then Dixie being at the ch- the head of the company listening to Hogan because of it, you know he's a very good politician when it comes to all the backstage stuff yeah AJ's not got a character let's put him with Ric Flair to give him a gimmick uh, Chris Daniels is too small Samoa Joe's too fat he's not one of my boys if they'd kept those core TNA guys and actually had the wrestling on these shows because if there was good wrestling you could forgive the shit but the problem is when you've got the best matches on the card have come from a guy pretending to be a trainee wrestler, that's when you've got problems. And you compare it to something more modern like AEW, and I know I'm an AEW mark, but MJF, Jungle Boy, Darby Allen. You know what I mean? There's, there's so many names they've already made into huge stars. And they don't just get wins every week. It's clever the way they book them, the way they have them on TV, the way they utilize them. And TNA sometimes feature these guys. Like Samoa Joe's been on almost every one of these shows so far. I don't give a shit about what he's doing, though. <laughs> they haven't utilized yeah. him in any clever capacity. That's that's fair, man. Like, I, it's it's what watching this episode. It's hard to know that Samoa Joe was a big deal in wrestling, like a respected. Um, like quality product, quality character, quality worker. Because uh, my, like the, the hype that the WWE, the WWE built around him, like when he came to NXT, um, was great. Like it, with the idea of when will Samoa Joe, like yeah, get called up to the main roster, was really exciting. And yeah, you you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it watching Samoa Joe and TNA that he was. Yeah, they had was Joe in his prime, man. His his run before coming to TNA was so good. They had him for what, like eight, ten years, something like that, and did absolutely fucking almost nothing with him at times. It was really, really abysmal. They even drew a cock on his face at one point as a character, as a character, <laughs> like legit. Anyway, uh, so this is the match where commentary are having an argument about Taz's motorbike. They even chat about American football, and you know, there's a tag match going on. I mention it because someone has to, you know, commentary fucking don't. <laughs> it's yeah, really they they terrible. do talk about American football for a long time in this match. 
Uh, for the record, Taz has a, a Harley with a sidecar. <laughs> who who rides in the sidecar? Because I imagine Taz is Taz. more of a sidecar guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other half of Taz. <laughs> like Taz, oh, Taz, is, Taz, is, Taz, Taz is a sidecar guy cool. through and through. He is not a he is not a bike rider. Taz is the guy who sits in the sidecar. So I want to know is who? Yeah. So he doesn't own the bike, he just owns the sidecar and attaches it to friends. He's like, please give me a lift. <laughs> Although, Tom, I'm going to go back to say that this match does tenuously have a link to Aces and Eights. Oh, how so? Oh, for God's sake. Okay. Uh, finishes, Velvet Sky hits her shitty X-Factor thing. Taryn Terrell almost fucks up counting to three. I could not believe it as I was watching it. She's the worst referee that there has ever been. Every single fucking week, she's terrible. Uh, so the winner is the Velvet Sky and James Storm. What's the connection to Aces and Eights? Well, who's boffing Velvet Sky? Oh, for fuck's sake! Not world. during this time. In the in now, Bully is married to Velvet Sky, or which is even up? more ridiculous because now, now he's even more older. <laughs> yeah, how how that happened, I will never understand. Why is she with him? Let's move on. Moving on. Um, there's a they set up a Jeff Jarrett Jeff Jarrett Jeff Hardy update next. He likes drums. Spoilers. Um, another replay of this Valentine's Day thing is terrible. Uh, Jeff Hardy video package. The update is that there will be an update next week. Yes, I, was, I, I noticed <laughs> that. Like, the update is like the MRI results aren't in yet. That's <laughs> hang on. Is T- it no. under the NHS? Yeah. Replay of Hogan Brook Barber again because you know we just saw this five minutes ago, so we have to replay it because you're idiots, audience. Uh, Brooke stands next to Hulk Hogan cutting a promo Hulk tells us that we're all the same person and I'm like I'm not the same as you motherfucker uh, match graphic and also it's rich coming from him we're all the same person really Hogan exactly. really match graphic because uh, you know they've decided it's going to be Gallows and Devon wrestling Barbara and Hogan next week someone decided that in the meantime didn't announce that earlier because you know why would we Match graphics good enough for these idiots. Uh, they show you the cage set up in the ring for our main event of the evening. Uh, they then show a video package of a cage match that was a few weeks ago where there's loads of interference. Even though this is meant to be the cage match with no interference, that's the whole point. They're going to end the feud. And you're like, the logic of showing a fucking video package from a few weeks ago of a cage match, making this cage match significantly less special Etc. 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 It's just really fucking stupid. You do realize that was in 2010 that cage match they had. Oh, that was from lockdown 2010. Again, that's what they that said in the sh- promo. It was lockdown 2010. I'm blaming right. their video production and saying that they should have made this clearer. No, I think you're still in the mode of you were making a sandwich and this show was shit. Yeah, it's it's literally. <laughs> Um, like for that entire promo, the words lockdown oh. 2010, I'm pretty sure are on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is the point where I'd be like, editor, edit this bit out. But I'm like, I'm the editor. Fuck that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Anderson tells us about his flight over to England. He says, Kurt, you ain't leaving the same way you came here. So I'm like, is he No, you're going back, coach. <laughs> yes, yeah, you have to get a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Joe is on the floor backstage selling. We're like, oh no, what's happened to Samoa Joe? Angle leaves Bischoff back with Joe. 
as this young boy is like, I didn't do anything. Look at Joe. He's on the floor. Oh, no. Uh, and Angle and Briscoe head to the ring. And Briscoe doesn't look suspicious at all, does he? Uh, another video package promoting the upcoming Impact shows. Uh, stock footage of England. No Bellator's on after this. Uh, plenty of piped in TNA chants for our main event of the evening. Are you excited, guys, for this main no, no, event? No, 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 no. Nope, nope. No, no, no. Don't I, care. I was excited Don't seeing care. there was only 20 minutes of the show left. <laughs> Fucking A. It's a steel cage match of Kurt Angle. I would say we're all fans of Kurt Angle. Yeah. Not in 2013, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. With Wes Briscoe versus Mr. Anderson. Kind of um, As Angle enters the cage, Anderson jumps him. So then the camera shows Wes Briscoe locking the cage. And immediately I'm like, can he fucking do that, Joey? Not an official well, locking the cage or a referee locking the cage. Wes Briscoe is the guy responsible for locking the cage. It's good to give these young... like It's basically when you're, when you're a trainee, you have to put down the ring, put up the ring, lock the cage with your <laughs> tag team partner in it. Standard stuff. Don't kayfab this. Definitely don't see anything suspicious happening here, do we, boys? No, no, it's not played out before it's even got to the... Yeah. Also, not one of those masked boys seem to have remarkably similar to hair to Wes Briscoe. Mm, what I'm saying. I noticed that, yeah. The crowd are having a... It's the, the grease in it that's really... Yeah. The crowd are having a lovely time cheering Angle and booing Kennedy. Kennedy! Um, Doing it again, quite right, though, aren't they? Huh? They're doing it right. They're booing the heel and cheering the face. So that's good. Yeah. It's Kurt Angle, dude. We're obviously going to cheer him, even if it's like, you know, Kurt Angle. <laughs> Sorry. That's a better visual joke than, you know, audio joke for whatever. Uh, the hard cam's on the ramp. So meaning we're basically staring at the back of Wes Briscoe's head throughout the entire match. It's really fucking annoying. Um, another video package halfway through the match because, you know, why would we want to show the match that's going on? Video package. Good stuff. Uh, there is one really, really fun spot in this match where he does an angle slam off the top rope. Gets big TNA chance because, you know, the fans have to get their moment in. But the angle slam off the top rope was pretty cool. Kurt Angle. I, I still say even when he was not doing his best outside the ring, in the ring, very few could touch him. Even at this point of his career, no one. I'd, I'd say Joe... AJ and that company were the only two who could, and maybe Daniels could touch him, but that was about it. Mm. Remember, what was it? Two weeks ago? Samoa Joe versus Anderson? Three weeks ago. Do you remember how that match finished, Tax? Well, Joe lost. <laughs> so Knox came out to ringside. Samoa Joe turned around after dominating the match. Mr. Anderson hit his little flatliner mic check thing. Pinned Joe for the one, two, three. Kurt Angles just went through a cage match with Anderson where they've been back and forth pretty much for the whole match, taking lots of punishment and stuff. And uh, Anderson hits the mic check. Angle kicks out at two. Literally sums up why there's a problem. Samoa Joe <laughs> sold that shit. Kurt Angle, the experienced guy who's Let's face it, not in the best shape and all this sort of stuff. You know, he's he's got a bit of a drug problem, as he's explained many times. 
you know, the guy that there's the established star already that they don't need to put over is not selling this shit. And that's infuriating for me. Like, it was a few weeks ago. Um, It just kind of shows that Joe's a pleb and Angle isn't. And, you know, it's, I've gone on about so much. Let's carry on. Angle powerbomb, ankle lock, and some taps. And that's the end of the match. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. The winner is Kurt Angle. And uh, this leads to shenanigans post-match. Tax, would you yeah, hang on? Isn't the, steel ca- isn't the steel cage supposed to stop people getting in? That's the whole purpose of lockdown. But then, miraculously, a masked individual is climbing into the cage. Oh, my mm. goodness. Well, luckily, Wes Briscoe, sharp enough with a key still in his pocket, not like most cage matches where they go missing, <laughs> uh, entered the entered the ring. And Kurt Angle said, lock the door. Well, Wes Briscoe did. Only to have another exciting reveal in the Aces and Eight storyline. Another top-level talent. The sort of person to make you switch over and watching Raw when you hear, Bischoff's in Aces and Eight. What, Eric? No, Garrett. Who? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This unveil of Briscoe and Garrett as the... It's, it's, it's like who gives a fuck it's two young guys that are not experienced have now turned and they're in the little bikery gang so they can just never be significant ever again it's pretty much what it boils down to and what and, really uh, fucks me off about this genuinely is that gallows had to be a prospect before being patched in you know fucking bischoff and briscoe are already fully fledged members this is not how it works in sons of anarchy <laughs> true have you seen sons of anarchy tom um, I've seen one scene from Sons of Anarchy because I'm a huge Stephen King fan and it's the scene with Stephen King. Um, yeah, that's all I've seen of it. But that's enough for me to think, yeah, all right, it's probably a good show. Bike I will say that, crimes. what's his name? Um, it starts uh, Briscoe. Really bad at the end. <laughs> Sorry. Of, of all the people in Aces and Eights, Briscoe's the one who looks the most like Charlie Hunman. True. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So that, yeah. I mean, I feel like they kind of signposted that reveal with his <laughs> his sons of anarchy ish hair but yeah. yeah also presumably the people who are in aces and eights they're all the ones with the bulging shape of leather waistcoats underneath their jackets right that's how you tell i do secretly in aces <laughs> and eights it's because you can see they've got like a massive thick leather waistcoat stuffed somewhere underneath their clothes it is an issue you and i both know they're not made of leather <laughs> <laughs> they can't afford leather <laughs> tna's budget would not allow so, where's Briscoe and what's his name? Garrett Bischoff. Garrett Bischoff has unveiled themselves as the latest members of Aces Nates. They are beating up Kurt Angle a little bit. Kennedy, Anderson, whatever, plays in pain on the floor because he lost the match. He's a loser. And the crowd go, We want Sting! We want Sting! And that's the end of the show. So, for those keeping score of all those reveals from Ace and Eights, we've now had Devon, we've had Gallows, we've had Nux, Kennedy's just coming because he likes hanging out with them, and now we've got Bischoff, and now we've got Briscoe. What an elite group of top professional wrestlers that make puts the NWO to shame, is what we should be saying if they'd use good talent. What do you think going well, isn't it, Rich? <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> what do you that think was... of it, Tom? <laughs> Well, that, that last match felt like that was a bad match. Not just me, that was a bad match. Um, it felt like there was, no, there was no storytelling in that match at all. I felt like Angle never got, a, like never got his shine. He basically got jumped. 
he got the shit kicked out of him continuously. He got like a good spot in and then another long period of getting the shit kicked out of him. And then, yeah, I think if this was like a video game, like Street Fighter Battle, like the and it's we're just talking health bars here. There's no way Angle would have been able to win that match. Just the sheer amount of punishment um, Angle took compared to the amount that Anderson took. He may have taken he may be on the receiving end of some better performed spots, but that's the, I think that's that's a problem I think with I, I've seen that kind of match structure before and it's always bothered me that the yeah the, the face has just been relentlessly pounded on. Um but all they need to do is land two or three good spots and that's enough to that's enough to exhaust um the the heel who's been dealing so much more damage. Yeah, I didn't like the match at all, Matt. I mean, I did drift out by that point, for sure. Maybe I maybe I missed a lot more um, angle shine, but no, it just felt it's like fine. how is like has he has he just got a tiny health bar? Like, is his constitution score two or something? Is he just got like three hit points left in <laughs> the beginning of the match, and that's how Angle beats Anderson because he's got literally three HP and that's it? I don't know. I. Yeah. Angle then stands in the corner of the screen, smashing out Hadoukens for the whole thing till he gets his win. That's <laughs> yeah. all he's got. It just, it, yeah, it felt like, but based on the logics of I know, human anatomy <laughs> and physical fitness, and you know how, I don't know, that stuff works. It made no sense. Um, that, I mean, it is. It, I mean, maybe that's it. Like maybe what maybe what they're trying to tell us is that um, Angle's like Rocky, and he just soaks up punishment. But the hits he makes are enough, because that kind of makes sense. That's how Rocky beats Drago, right? He just, you know, Drago says, "Look, he's he's not a man. He's like a lump of iron." Like Drago just cannot knock him down, um, and Rocky just keeps standing after all the punishment, and then gets a few good hits in, and that's it. And Rocky wins. Like, is that the is that like the in ring narrative they're trying to go for, or is it just a mess? You tell me. Just a mess. that's literally yeah you're just you're trying to add logic to something that doesn't have logic so it's like yeah who I knows just, man maybe we'll like, find maybe, out in weeks to come whether this has we any won't, we won't, repercussions or <laughs> we won't. No, of course not it's fucking tna i mean i won't i am sense it's like i am i am bowing yeah. out <laughs> yeah that's good so uh this is a clear minus five stars for me uh minus five complex whatever that's three minus fives and one minus four i've given this so far uh tax what did you give this show joe park was a was a shining success for me in this this uh this glut of shit Mm. um outweighed by many many other things though Surely. Oh yeah. I mean, so, so far I've been on the zero cornflake train. Today I'm going to give this zero cornflakes. <laughs> good try. Good try. I mean, not good try. What? Well, that, that was the horrible thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> well done. You can talk. I don't know what I'm trying to say, man. <laughs> I agree with you. I concur. It's pretty awful. Tom, you can go minor scale. If, so, so we're definitely not ripping off Dave Meltzer's story and system. Okay. So it's, it's, it's out of five cornflakes, not stars, okay? But there is also a kind of minus scale you can go on. And generally, the, the, the accepted thing is minus five stars. So you, it's basically minus five, zero, one, two, three, four, five. Five good. Okay. <laughs> zero bad, minus five awful. So um, I'm going to give it one star. And the reason that is... 
is that disgusting, if you div- disgusting, if you divi- Tom. How if fucking you divided dare you? that episode into fits, um, right? And one You're of those never fits coming on the podcast again. Part, I fucking hate was you. the Joe Park segment. <laughs> like the yeah, Joe, I know, right? like the Joe Park segment was great. So like, if we divided into five, like five fifths, a fifth of that show was good. The Joe Park segment, good segment. If a fifth of the show is good okay. for me, that's whoa, 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 whoa. Five <laughs> matches. What about all the other shit that you had to watch? Well, in terms of like runtime, I'm thinking more in terms of runtime here. Like the Joe okay. Park thing takes up about maybe. Um, okay, I'm going to give it one star out of six because I think realistically it's a sixth <laughs> of the runtime is spent with Joe Park. <laughs> so basically zero. Good stuff. <laughs> no, no. no. I also want to make it clear that 100 percent of that star has been earned by Joe Park and um, the two Joe. Robs. Yeah, 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 yeah. That bit was at least kind of semi-entertaining. That was or whatever. good, yeah. man. That was like that feels like. Don't know about good. Don't know about like, good. That feels like the moment. Like you, that seems like a scene from a movie. It seemed like this. The, the physical comedy was so well done. It looked like the scene from a movie where the guy is ac- accidentally yeah. wins a fight through mishaps. Does, does it make yeah. a difference if I tell you the last Joseph Park match we saw was almost exactly the same? Um. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, but I haven't seen that I just match. Wanted, so. I just wanted to get over that, again, the purpose of picking this Aces and Eights run, partly because I think biker gangs are funny. Any form of gang warfare. I mean, at least it's not like the Disciple of the Apocalypse, the last biker gang in professional wrestling. You know, at least um, Ace and Eights seem to yeah. not have too many ridiculous humans in it. But it was genuinely and I, I know i touched on it last week so i won't use the word iconic but of tna's biggest faction stories they have the the ones which fans remember not saying they're good or not you had asinates fortune and main event mafia they, they were are their big th- yeah but the reason the reason why i picked asinates is because this was what was seen genuinely by tna fans as because main event mafia they had no interest in because it was all the outsiders from wwe coming in mah, 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 mah. the whole idea of ace and eights they wanted to do a faction to create new stars which obviously they failed at but Kurt it was Angle, just to give you Rich, anderson devon hogan bully ray <laughs> do you want to keep going <laughs> it's the same thing no. they're all wwe I'm not- guys i'm only arguing against you for the sake of the sake of the pod but the whole purpose <laughs> of this the whole purpose of this run is this is one of TNA's biggest angles they ever had in their history. And this is just it goes to show you how shit this company was. Yet it still lasted longer than WCW and still, obviously, different way people consume media, but not too much so in 2013. WCW was a million times better. Should we play no, a game? But yeah, okay, let's do a game. <laughs> Can I ask a quick question just about yes. something I've never quite understood about evil factions and crime in general? in like kayfabe crime so I mean, we are in manchester gen- so it feels appropriate so. <laughs> hogan as general manager has the power to force doc gallows and um devon to have a match but he doesn't have the power to make them not beat him unconscious is that right like wrestling it, 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 <laughs> like yeah just just checking i've got that right um because in, in the <laughs> yeah, wedding they, they literally right. assaulted him um, but like he can, he can force them to do a match, but he can't force them to, 
to not like perform GBH. Um, yeah, cool. exactly. <laughs> Hulk Hogan has many skills, but avoiding physical assault is not one of them. Because I feel like the thing with Vince um, and a lot of sort of WWE GMs is they were always, I mean, you know, pretty much you can beat up the, the general manager and it'll be fine. But they always made a point of making clear consequences. And maybe I just missed that in between when that episode happened and when we watched. But were there ever any consequences for um, Aces and Eights for assaulting Hulk Hogan in any way, shape or form? Yeah, they're having a tables match next week. <laughs> But that's their consequence. That's the consequence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, an opportunity to win a wrestling match against Sting and Bully Ray. Okay. Because, like, you know, you can rag on WWE a lot, and I often do. Um, mm. But they there, there are always some kind of tangible consequences for attacking authority figures, even if they're not big. It's always like it isn't just something you can do and everyone forgets about it, even if it's just like a token gesture. I feel like I could copy and, copy and paste what I was saying earlier. <laughs> like you know every logical question you're answering it's like there is just no logic to it it's it's fucking mind-numbingly stupid yeah. at times fair enough yeah tna 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 by the way at the end of the podcast we will have to chant tna because that's how we finish these now okay and then we play brooke hogan's music which leads us into this was made on very short notice um okay. but basically what we're going to do is i'm going to post in the chat now a track listing for Brooke Hogan's 2009 album, Redemption, the album, the most recent re album released at time of record of this episode. And then okay. I'm just going to read find you... that's the release on the 21st of July. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to send you the track listing, um, which I think is, yeah, I'll just send you the Wikipedia article. And then I'm going to read you both the lyrics from... One of the songs, <laughs> and based on the lyrics, I want you to tell me which of the tracks this song belongs to. Sold. Sounds great. This is yeah. Th th this is this is all I could muster in the time. I'm afraid. Oh, it's not like I literally design games for a living. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's perfect. People can literally go online <laughs> and play this. <laughs> so if you go on a Wikipedia and just find the Redemption by Brooke Hogan, you can literally play this game along with us. Okay, let's so, do it. Um, I'm going to stay away from the aggressively sexually explicit songs. That's a shame because, I mean, you know, it's this podcast after all. <laughs> I feel like only the second time I've I've hung out with Tax and I don't think we're quite ready yet for the lyrics of... Oh, we'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so have you got the track listing in front of you? I certainly do. I do. Okay. Which song? Let me just check if it involves the bonus tracks on this. It doesn't. So just we're just going basically up to finish line. We're not doing the leftover tracks that were released on the extended version. <laughs> just the just the so Wait, just where, the first where are fourteen they mentioned tracks. In this, okay, the first fourteen, good stuff. So from from intro um, to finish line. Okay. For those playing at home, so here's the first one. Um, so can, I want, can we, I want, before where you're hanging on, what's be dabble. <laughs> <laughs> How do you pronounce that? I assume it's going to be bedabble. Track yeah. number ten, bed dabble. <laughs> uh, bed able. Um, basically, if someone is <laughs> capable As of lying down under a duvet, bedridden. <laughs> yeah. I love Rick Hogan's music so much; it brings me so much joy. 
So oh. as well as telling me the title of the song, I also want you to explain, I want you to explain your working. I want to hear why, you, you know, your logic for, for connecting this lyric to this song. So here's your first set of lyrics. Which of the, yeah, which of the tracks from Redemption is this? Selfish, what you is. How you mistreated <laughs> your own kids. How could you do that? I know we don't talk now. How could you turn your back on me? Now I'm walking out. Okay, I, I oh, know this mine. is easy. This is easy. <laughs> we start easy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, track seven, Dear Mom. I'm the same. Track number seven, Dear Mom. Um, very briefly explain your working. Uh, I, I listened to an interview with her on Fox News the other day where she was talking about, I wrote this song on my latest album, To My Mom. <laughs> and then goes on to explain <laughs> how she had it out with a bit of paper. <laughs> so I literally heard an interview about this song. So Yeah, yeah it, it, it started out literally with her writing a letter to her mother and she thought, ah, I'll make a song of it. Got nothing else on. Great. Okay, um, so that is one on. point apiece. <laughs> I'll start I'll help keeping a score. And it's one point a piece. Okay, let's do. Um, all Again, Tom right. Audio. Can't leave gaps. <laughs> oh, Sorry, it's okay. Richard, Richard let it is. A fucking hell of my door. If you just basically play a Brooke Hogan song underneath this the whole time, it'll be fine. Just pipe Sold. in crowd music. Just like, okay. ho. Oh, over and over Just, again. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, here we go. I wish you kissed like him, you felt like him and held like him, and touched me the way he did. I tried to see his face in your place, because I can't ears the way I felt when he was mine. I got this one. All right. Number 11. It's a song about bully ray but really talking about her dad <laughs> <laughs> um i put down see i was toying between this and number 12 being the one that got away but i i think number 11 is the most accurate one which is what i wrote down so i'm also going to go number 11 uh, and that song title is you'll never be like him yes correct that is an let's go <laughs> Okay. We know our Brooke harder. Hogan songs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not sure what this yes. is proving. <laughs> okay. And now I'm knocking at show door, miss. Upon up looking gorgeous. Fly from head to toe. She smile is metamorphous. Sunshine oh, the shine, the clouds can run. They course. When we set sail, everything is in orbit. Fight, but never forfeit. Jesus Christ, that rhyming scheme. Can we have that one more time, please, Tom? Sure. And now I'm knocking at show door, miss. Open up, looking gorgeous. Fly from head to toe, <laughs> she smile is metamorphous. Sunshine, shine the clouds, can run they course. When we set sail, everything is in orbit fight but never forfeit okay i've got mine at tax i think you can take the lead on this one i have my answer okay i'm gonna go number four trust me featuring urban mystic 
Okay. And what's your what's your thinking behind that, Tex? Well, if they're going to go away on an adventure together, so she's asking them for trust on that adventure. Mm. I have gone with number two, Strip. I believe she's written a song. I say written. She's contributed to a song <laughs> where she's used as many big words as she possibly can to describe her own feelings when in reality she has no idea what those words mean. Right, referring to herself as mystic and things like this. So strip is her stripping away all like her her front or whatever to unveil her inside. Stripping away her front. Hopefully it's nowhere near. Etc. Etc. So there we go. I don't think she's got a fucking clue what any of those words mean and she doesn't know how to rhyme either. Um, you were both wrong, I'm afraid. The song is Fallen. Uh, all, the, all the um, comments about flying, flying through the clouds... Yeah, it's altitude-based metaphors, so falling. It's good logic. Um, okay. Next up. <laughs> that that part of the song gives it away. Um, so I'm just going to read you this whole terrible verse. <laughs> it's your birthday, love, so roll it up and prepare to float and let me rock your boat. Sex is off the chain, I know I got it made. And you don't have to change, you know you're perfect, babe. Actually, we'll leave it there. I've got mine already straight away for this. <laughs> huh. Uh... <laughs> I, I, can, I, can, I can even show my workings. I'm going for number nine, because called Rough Me Up, because she's talking about loving to bang Flowrider. That's where I was going as well, but just to keep it interesting, I'm going to go with number eight, Handcuff. Because <laughs> she's a bad girl. Unfortunately, gentlemen, you are both wrong. These are God the lyrics it. from Bed Dable. I repeat, Bed oh. Dable. Bed Dable. Oh, <laughs> Bedable. Oh, I see, because everyone can fuck her because she's Bedable. Nailed it. Just like oh. Hogan did. Could you spell that name of that song for me, please? Um, yes, <laughs> it's B uh, B E uppercase D uppercase D Abel. <laughs> Bedable. The two D's have got a space in between them, so she's rocking the double D's. To be fair, so you know. <laughs> I've, yes. I've mispronounced that. It's it's B it's B D Dable. I think the the best way you can pronounce what? that on its spelling would be B D Dable. <laughs> Um, because the upper, the first uppercase yep. D suggests the start of a new word. Um, so yeah, B.D. Dable. Sounds like a Western character. B.D. Dable. <laughs> it does, yeah. That's that's a, not a bad name for a wrestler, to be honest. A good old country boy, B.D. Dable. Love okay. it. Okay. So this will have to be the decider then. So we'll do best of five, and then we've got one each. So here we go. Okay. I think it's like what, a what, drawer as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you I'm gonna get you a good one. Okay, okay. I want these need to be some some solid gold lyrics. And I am having trouble finding them within this <laughs> magnum opus. She sings about bidets in uh, Hey Yo. I still don't know what that lyric actually is. Some some of these lyrics bidet. I do I do not want a recording of me saying these words out loud, so that song's gonna be a, a hard pass. 
Okay, let's try another one. I wonder if I can find instrumental versions of these and let's add you in during the lyrics. Could you just say, hey, yo, for me? <laughs> hey, yo. Oh, that's happening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, let's see, let's see. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Such a lovable hurt. Strawberry topping, let's make it dessert. Play with the money bags <laughs> under your skirt. I heard they got cash there, I said it first. I'm trying to bag all those calories. Tickle Miss Kitty, that's above your knees. L-I-C Licky, what you like in me. Leave a hickey where nobody can see. Jesus Christ. And I am not reading that again. In fairness, that's where I keep all my money. <laughs> what, in that kitty above your knees? Yeah, exactly. Right in the veg. Oh my God, that's fucking awesome. Uh, go on, Tax, what are you going for? I mean... It's quite the... uh, I mean, technically, to get to the money bank, you're going to be going to the finish line, but I think more likely she's going to be handcuffed. So I'm going to go eight for handcuffed, thinking that someone's basically assaulting her to steal the money above that secret pocket above her knees. A grim image. (laughs) (laughs) I'm between two, six, and 14. So strip. Isn't that Brooks Next Ages for the next podcast? (laughs) Strip, all I want is you and finishing finish line. I, I think she's bold enough to put put, you know, a song right at the beginning of the album with utter bollock lyrics. I'm gonna go with strip again, number two. I'm sorry, gentlemen, you are both wrong. God damn it. <laughs> Those are lyrics from Rough Me Up, and that particular part of the song was rapped by Flo Rider. Oh, I didn't even see that song. Oh, well, cool. Right, dude, I think that's a long podcast already. I think we're going to have to leave it there. It's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure, Tom. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, guys. It was really, really fun. Thanks, Tax. Love you, buddy. Uh, don't forget to check out all of our archive, worldofwrestlingpodcast.co.uk. Sorry, worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. I got fucked up at the end because it's so late. Um, and also buy a t-shirt, amazon.co.uk. Best place to interact with us on Twitter at worldofwrestpod. Where can we find your socials, Tom? Do you know them? Um, and you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not want to put over the one that you have oh, an sure, yeah. I, with? I, I, okay, yeah. So my only existing social is a kayfabe account, which is at CBW Creative, um, which is technically the kayfabe account of City British Wrestling's management from the wrestling RPG show City British Wrestling for WrestleTalk. With all the name changes, at least you didn't have to change that one, right? That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, it's been a joy. Uh, I'm at Fanboy Rich on Twitter. <laughs> you can see all my shit on WrestleTalk. Go watch it. It's good fun. WrestleTalk Pods, Parts of Unknown. I'm going to be all over the place in the next few weeks. Anyway, how about you, Mr. Tax Williams? I'm at the Tex Williams. You can find me not wrestling anywhere because of a pandemic, but you can listen to me and Coach Wicked at That Food Podcast. We released our second episode earlier today where we cooked the Bosch Classic Shepherd's Pie. 
Mm-hmm. Delightful, good sir. I very much enjoyed your first pod. It sounded very professional Thank and very, very much. Mo- not like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Hulk Hogan. In, my In opinion. your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> thank you everyone for listening it's been lovely as always this is gonna be a lovely tasty lung podcast i hope you enjoyed this one here's uh brooke hogan's hey yo version with tom doing the hey yo's say it tom say it tna tna yeah Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey yo. Your smile is like candy. So sweet and sincere. Your style is so sexy. Where do I begin? Being you would be like Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Cause when you smile, you shine like the month of May. Month of May. But there's no rush, we'll take our time, okay? Time, okay. But I have to let you know, just in case it didn't show. Hey, yo. The louder you guys are, the better the wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. We're tough. We can take it, baby. You got to penetrate in the back, in the back, baby. Oh, I can see what you're talking. Wait just a minute. Get, 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 get,